This week's episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob is not brought to you by your local milk bar. Welcome to I Was a Teenage Film Snob. I'm James Chalmers, your friendly neighbourhood film snob. And this week we are continuing our journey into the 90s. The time machine is loaded up. I had to throw some Spice Girls records in there to keep the fuel going. But we are on our way. And this week we have a very, uh, very exciting guest. Uh, She needs no introduction, but she's going to get one because A, she deserves it. And B, I wouldn't know how to open the show without doing an introduction. Uh, You know her as... uh, a, a, a master planner. She's a vision boarder. She is the female peewee. And to some of you, for some reason, she's my second wife. Uh, please welcome back to the show, Maddie Schultz. <laughs> Hello. I like that one. That was a good intro. <laughs> I've been thinking about that one for a couple of days. Uh, well done. <laughs> we, had a, we, were, we were talking on Sunday and I can't remember how it came up. I don't know how it was seeing us like, I'm just going to start introducing all the mums as like mum babes. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I've changed my mind. I'm not going to do that. Like <laughs> When you say it out loud, you're like, no, that's weird. I was like, that, I mean, look, this show would get cancelled pretty quickly if I just started referring to all the mums as mum babes. <laughs> I, um, I told Dave I was coming on again. He's like, oh, yeah, so you're a three-peat. <laughs> um, three-peat or triple threat? Yeah, I was uh, like, chart number three, three-peat. You, uh, you, yeah. you, you rack up some serious listens and um, – I was just saying, literally before we recorded, I was like, I've been looking forward to this because you are hands down one of my favorite guests. And I say that about most of my guests, but like <laughs> um, no one else gets called my second wife. The only, no. you know, yeah. I've still got the mantle. That's yeah. it. And I, think, I think I really got extra brownie points last time for my impressions. I think that helped. I, I think I said when I was messaging that, I'm like, don't forget to bring that sweet, sweet Peewee Herman <laughs> <laughs> impression. <laughs> oh man that was so funny i remember you were like we keep getting distracted we need to stay on target i'm like no nah, it's fine it's the that's the point of the show i think we were uh, so like loopy and sleep deprived and well i, I was recording some, like junk and so it was just bonkers <laughs> yeah well i was recording in bed like um because i normally record in my office i'm on my, oh, my new desk all set up which is really exciting mm-hmm. um but so normally i record in my office because that way i can have a proper conversation i can you know be attentive but like there was a period of time where um I was going to say, there was a period of time where the recordings go long. They all go long. But, like, <laughs> Tina um, needed needed to go to sleep and stuff. So I would um, just record in bed instead. And those are the ones where I'd go particularly loopy. Like, there's an episode <laughs> that Josh and I did a few months back. And you can hear both of us just, like, slowly falling asleep <laughs> because it's late and I'm in bed. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that sounds like a good movie. Tell Were you more. making sense? <laughs> uh, well, I'll let the listeners decide. Um, <laughs> did we make sense? I would argue most of these episodes, you know, wrangle with the concept of sense most times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an ongoing battle. I apologize to everyone for my gravelly voice. I have been quite unwell. Um, but, uh, and I, all I do in my job is talk all the time. So I've been talking since about 8 a.m. this morning. It is now almost 9 p.m. at night, and I haven't stopped talking. So, and I said just send you before, I've got a few of these this week, so I'm gonna be an absolute wreck by Sunday. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear out the voice box today. You're gonna to sound like who knows, Scrooge That's McDuck a, later on. Scrooge McDuck. Are we what I'm gonna get a Scottish accent? I don't know. I'm just thinking of something that's like really like like hucky. Okay, sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can add it to your repertoire. We've got Pee Wee Herman impressions, Mumbabe. We're going to scratch that out. The ruiner of vocal cords. I'm going to, I'm going to wreck that voice. It's a, it's a weird threat, but um, I'll take it. Um, how have you been, my man? I've been good. I've enjoyed it. I've been, I've enjoyed brainstorming how to do a better brainstorm than last time. I've been thinking, okay, 90s. I've got to get my head around all the 90s films that I like. So first, before I think of doing that, what brainstorm am I going to do? So I started <laughs> brainstorming different brainstorms that I could do this. And then I came up with a pyramid because – I was digging the pyramid because I'm yeah. a big fan. I grew up, as I'm sure you did, with the food pyramid. So that's where my head went first. Yeah. I'm like, oh, the film pyramid. So obviously, like our really hearty, like fulfilling movies will stay at the bottom. Now, sometimes movies, they can go in the middle. And then the movies we should only watch every once in a while, they'll go up the top. Well, that's um, what I was thinking. And then I was like thinking of like, yeah, the food pyramid is like the ones at the bottom, like healthy and good for your system. And the ones at the top are like naughty and like guilty pleasures. But then I sort of like rearrange the categories so they're not quite the same as the food pyramid instead it's more about sort of frequency so like mm. the bottom level is like super frequent rewatches all the time the middle one is not so frequent and i figured out once i like started brainstorming that like the ones in the middle weren't as frequent because i didn't have them on dvd um and we would just watch them when they came on tv mm. but they were like the ones that you're like yeah that one it's on tv again i'll watch that and then the yeah. ones at the top of the pyramid are the ones that are like i can't i need a break i need to like have a year off before i go back <laughs> to this even though it's amazing but you just sort of like I well, need recovery I'm, time <laughs> i'm gonna share with the listeners because you sent me a message the other day, like, i'm giving you a sneak peek and that's it and one of your topics or subheadings was the yeah. hits so hard i need longer between viewings handful and i was like <laughs> I don't even know what that applies to. Um, <laughs> that's the top of the pyramid. The that's the top that, of the pyramid. The top um, of the pyramid is they hit you so hard that you're just like, oh, I need a year off now. I can't yeah. come back to this yet. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have many films. Like, there's some films I'm like, well, I'll never watch that again. And not because they're bad, like, because um, as we know, there are no bad films. But there are some films I'm like, you know what? I've seen it. Probably don't need to see it again. Like, perfect example for me, like, I mean, obviously there's like, this really nasty flicks, but like something like Schindler's List, wonderful yep. film. Probably never 100%. need to feel that sad ever again. Yeah. Uh, so I, seen... I didn't even put it on the list because yeah. I was like, I've seen it once and I'm, no, I'm not going back there. Mm. Can't do it again. It's brilliant. It's gorgeous. Not going back. So it's not even on the pyramid. Mm. Yeah. Um, you, you talked before about, um, Oh, I'll watch it, like like if it's on TV. I don't watch a lot of free-to-air TV anymore, but there are a few um, that I'll go to. Um, Back to the Future is an obvious one, and Hot Fuzz is one as well. But um, there's this uh, comedian, this British comedian, Brett Goldstein, who – have you watched Ted Lasso? Little bits, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays Roy Kent, you know, the one like Curly, like the yeah. really angry soccer ball. So he's a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a British comedian. It sounds nothing like Roy Kent. Um, and he has a movie podcast as well. But um, him and this other comedian, Nish Kumar, play a game – and it's called Try Not to Watch Goodfellas when it's on TV. And like, yeah. and you can't win it because once Goodfellas is on, like, you are there for the whole ride. <laughs> you put it on, you watch the whole thing. Yeah. And Goodfellas uh, is 90s, yeah. It is a 90s film, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just got a 90s film delivered today. I was like, I was like, oh, Silence of the Lambs. I can't wait to watch that. I'm like, oh, that's a 90s film. I wonder if it would be on my list. So I'm mm-hmm. still working out my list. Um, well, but... I am a legit 90s baby. I was born in 1990. 
You're mm-hmm. always reminding me how much younger than me you are. Uh, making oh, me feel I'm like so normal. fresh. I'm so no, fresh. You're yeah. just so old and so crafty. You're, uh, so you're, you're, you're lit. You're straight fire. You're, <laughs> I don't know any of these words. Oh, and I, I, I feel physically ill just having them come out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> you are, you're actually the second 90s baby. We've only done two 90s shows and both guests now who were born in the 90s. So there you go. Was the other one Sarah? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. My, yeah, my sister. She's born in the nineties. Um, but coming up, we've got a, an old man. Um, well, he's my age, but um, <laughs> I got excited. I thought legit old man talking about nineties films. Um, yes. Well, I mean, my dad will probably come on at some point. He talked about eighties films. Um, I think he talked about Dead Poet Society as well. Um, I don't know if mm-hmm. we've talked about it since because Dead Poet Society was on your list, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. So the last. Yeah. Yeah. The last time you were on, you talked about it. That's the last time you were on. And since then, I have watched Dead Poet Society, and um, we talked about it briefly. But I adored it. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, such a wonderful movie. Um, did, I didn't cry, and I think it's I had to watch it in in multiple sittings. But I could see oh, okay. why. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, like I was getting close, even though mm. I didn't like consider if I watched it in one whole sitting in like an isolated room, I would have been an absolute mess. Um, mm. Have not yet gone to steal Magnolias. I had someone bother me the other day. She, uh, bother me. She was like, "You've watched forty-two films this year, and you haven't watched Steel Magnolias." I'm like, "Yeah, because it's not available. Like, I can't do anything about it. It's not available. Yeah. Um, it's on my it's on my import list for the, from the US. So at some point, I'll I'll round it all up, and then I'll finally check it out. Um, get there, you'll get but you there. you I'm sold it very very strongly. Um, yeah, the last time you were on, but um. And I'm sure people are like, 42 movies in like just over a month. Like, get a life. This is my life, bro. This is, this is my the life. hobby. This is the enjoyment. Yeah. I couldn't believe I'd done it. I'm like, hey, look at you. Look at you go. <laughs> Setting I can't believe you got through some of those um, like trilogies and series already so quickly, like Scream and that. Like, not Scream. Well, I, I was away sick from work the other day. So I watched three Scream films in a day. Um, well, yeah, like that. Like, holy crap. A lot. <laughs> I watched three screen films and I watched two other movies. <laughs> I watched three screen films. I watched Fall, which I In really one liked. Day. Yeah. Oh. I was sick. I was sick. So I just lay on, on the couch all day. Um, and then I started watching, I watched most of Straight Out of Compton the night, that night as well, um, which was a great movie. I'd never seen oh, it before. I discovered this big gash on my knee. Ow. <laughs> well, that's no good. I'm putting my hand in it. I'm like, why is my knee sore? There's a big giant gash. What the hell? That's a. Uh, not not pleasant for you. Oh well, I've got another knee. It looks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're a '90s baby. So I was going to say, is the '90s important to you? But I'd say mildly because that's when you were born. Um, <laughs> but what uh, what do you think of when when we talk about the '90s? What kind of springs to mind? Like, I feel. I don't know. It just it felt like just sort of my time. Like mm. yeah, like it because it was happening to me mm. when I was younger, you don't really cement, I don't know, too much thought into like capturing and holding onto those memories because mm. when you're young, you sort of don't know that you should be like, I don't know. Um, it just felt great like growing up and that was, that was just what I grew up in. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know how to describe it really. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, and she's never invited back again. No. Um, <laughs> for that answer. Well, I grew up in the 90s as well. Like I was born it was only a couple of years before you, but obviously I primarily – I don't remember the 80s at all. I remember the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very much – like we were talking about this, Sarah and I, the other day. I, I feel that way as well. Like it just 
if you look back at 90s in film or like you kind of see like what the you know the 90s as told through art like it's very stylized but it didn't feel like that at all to me it was just like yeah we're just kids on bikes and you know mm. we, we messed around did dumb stuff and now we're older and we still mess around do dumb stuff we just can't oh, ride God. bikes anymore because our legs will fall off um but um look the last time you were on we talked about 80s and i suppose like you know what does the 80s mean and we always think of like excess and pop music and you know mm. power suits and women getting jobs like even though they begin like that was kind of like the it 80s was easy to, it's easy to like sort of dig up those things because they're kind of like stereotypes that you can mm. just like you can throw out without having to sort of be accountable for or attached to whether the 90s like happened like I was in and amongst it so it's sort of yeah, it's sort of strange. Like when I think of all the things like crimping hair and flares and stuff, mm. like I did that. I wore the flares. Like, yeah, like the Spice Girls. I loved them. I'm hosting a Spice Girls movie night on the weekend. Tina, Tina told years. me you were hosting a Spice Girls party. Uh, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen the film in years and I bet you it holds up. So. Oh, insanely well because we watched it r- around the time it was either right before zoe was born or just after zoe was born yeah um and we we're talking and um tina's like do we have spice girls i'm like we do have spice girls i'm pretty sure and, and we did so we, we pulled it out and like i watched that movie in abundance as a child i saw that movie so many times i was literally like quoting it to her i was like <laughs> I, I knew everything that was coming up i'm like get ready like this is the guy with like the drill instructor dance he's gonna be like yes i know i've seen your videos like i know there's gonna be that and i was like oh I'm pretty sure there's aliens in this movie. And Tina was like, what? I'm like, yeah, there's aliens. Yeah. And like two minutes later, like aliens showed up and were like, it's weird because I'm pretty sure one of the, if, I don't remember exactly, I think one of the like fondles, like it's one of curvy. the spies. Yeah. Right. Curvy little aliens. Yeah. Nice. Um, and Stephen Fry's in it. Stephen Fry's in it. Meatloaf's in it. Meatloaf. Um, it's yeah. Elton John's in it. Like it's a solid flick. Like it has like a 3.2 on IMDb or whatever. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. Like you don't, no. like you don't get it. Like, it's so much fun. Like such a, we talked about Spice Girls a little bit um, on the last episode as well. But like, it is an insanely funny movie. Like, I put that hand in hand. I uh, I say like, spot you get Spice Girls is your British pop movie, and then your American pop music movie is Josie and the Pussycats. Um, yeah. But T- Tina doesn't like Josie and the Pussycats. She thinks it's stupid, which is fine. She's <laughs> like, yeah. It, it like she didn't watch it until she was in her like until she was a parent. And like we were watching it one night. It might have been around the same time. I was like, oh, if you like Spice Girls, you got to check like out Jason the Pussycats. Mm. And she's sitting through it. And she was like, by the end of it, she was like, this sucked. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, and I, then I was like, well, you watched it as a 32-year-old woman. I watched it when I was like 12 years old. So for me, plus Rachel E. Cook, 90s mega babe, like, yes, please. Like, this is <laughs> – she was in She's All That – um, she did like yeah. one other movie. <laughs> like, I was just all I remember her in is yeah, dressing the pussycats and she's all that. Yeah, yeah. she did a couple. Of, she did antitrust. It was like an edgy like web thriller. <laughs> like, uh, remember how the internet was a villain in movies in the two thousands? That was one of those ones. And being a uh, hacker, being a yeah. hacker was really cool and really. Yeah, edgy. I'm hacking in. I'm hacking I, in. I'm downloading. I'm, I'm downloading stuff. I'm in the mainframe. Um, they use words like that. Um, well, like if I if I take a step back, I think about stereotypes. Like my big thing is like, I guess grunge is very influential in the '90s. Like you see, your mm. plaid shirts and your stonewashed denim and Doc Martin boots and people, people and smoking cigarettes and cigarettes, those yes. choker things around their necks. It's weird seeing it all back in. It's so weird walking around the shops and there's like fourteen year old and they're wearing the same stuff I did. Like I was telling mm. David the other day that I think I. 
wore out like three pairs of cargo pants because I just lived in them. And, and because you them. like, there's so many pockets. I can fill all of these pockets. I just loved. I just loved them. They were just so comfortable and just so me and and like so like great for what we like got up to in terms of like climbing trees or like walking home from school or like these are good walking pants these cargo pants they really make walking easy (laughs) when i say walk home from school like our our walk home from school was about half an hour and there was about eight of us oh that is a long walk that's like nothing that was like that's nothing compared to what we did our friends my friendship group all lived within the same block around a a park Mm. we pretty much all edged the park and by the time we all got home like we'd already been to like five or six different houses we'd already been in the creek like throwing rocks at each other and like you know to the milk bar and spent some money and like yeah like we were just like just wandering like wandering around messing about and like pushing each other around and piggybacks and climbing up on top of mailboxes and like yeah we were just you yeah, uh, you said sure. two words that mean a lot meant a lot to me as a kid, and that was milk bar. Like that's a very '90s memory for me. Like there was an age, if you if you can believe it, where you could go into a store where there were unwrapped lollies on the counter, and you yeah. could just touch them with your hands. You could turn up with a ten cent coin and get like twenty lollies. You make like, out like a bandit. Like I remember, yeah. there were like these. I think it was kind of like a walnut whip. If you're familiar with the walnut whip, but it was like. They would have like just an open box and they were like just chocolate covered marshmallows just sitting there, no protective cover, no tongs, <laughs> just grab one for, you know, like 50 cents. I was like, all right. And do you remember like um, gobstoppers and you could just walk in, you get that giant jawbreaker one? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, so good. Or like, yeah, you'd, you'd put your hand into the, the really small sort of sour lollies or something. And, you know, you'd be eating them from your little paper bag, your little white mm. paper bag. You'd be eating your lollies and you'd be like, this one's fine and it's squishy or, you know, whatever, the right texture. And you'd eat and eat and eat. And then before you'd even realize, you'd put one in your mouth and it would be like a stale one that would yeah. be at the bottom <laughs> of the batch. And you'd be like, oh, my fucking teeth. Like, <laughs> but you'd still eat it. Yeah. So great. I, Not it's, wasting my pocket money. Yeah. I, it, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who this new character is, but I'm, I'm here for it. I think uh, I'm channeling. I think I'm channeling Bingo when she's pretending to be a granny. She's like, it's... "Oh no, I dropped my coins right up." Oh, well, that's a nice one. Oh, um, that's a really good part. Um, really, I'm all I'm all here for Bingo as a granny. Um, <laughs> it's funny, like you talk about the paper bag. I'm like, oh yeah, like you would get like chocolate frogs in a paper bag, and like even though they were chocolate and they're not known to be an oily confectionery. Somehow the paper bag will get oily from a chocolate frog. Oh, uh, my God. Oh, my God. I've just had an epiphany. Oh, my God. A memory. A memory has just come back into my brain that I didn't have for all this time. And this memory has literally just, like, shoved itself up my nose. Oh, my God. Remember when you'd finish swimming lessons and you'd get a killer python? Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, or just, like, oh. when they introduced blue snakes for the first <gasps> time. Oh. Oh. I was like, what do you mean, blue snakes? Blue snake? Where, where did this blue snake from? This is amazing. Um, oh, where did blue snakes go? Oh, Are they not around they, anymore? They don't do that anymore, do they? I'm not sure. Um, oh. The ki- killer python. The other um, memory I have with swimming lessons as a child was we used to go to Hungry Jack's afterwards. For our international listeners, Hungry Jack's is Burger King. Um, 
<laughs> and back in the day, like the chicken nuggets were the best chicken nuggets ever. Like they didn't come close. They were narrow and they were like pepper crumbed and they were like, it was so good. Like I still remember that taste. And then some point, like right around the time I finished up high school, they changed the recipe and they changed the recipe for them like six times since then. Never as good. Never as good. The closest thing you can get to it now is I think it's a Steggles product. We're really going off topic here. (laughs) Is you can get a Steggles salt and pepper chicken finger um, in your freezer aisle and it's close. It's not the same thing, but it's about as close as you can get. And in my late 20s, that was my hangover cure. Like a big old bowl of salt and pepper chicken fingers. Um, They're pretty good, but there's Hungry Jack's nuggets. Like there are a couple of like foods from my childhood which have been erased from history um, that I will never get over. The Cadbury Crave is one of them, um, which was a salt. I mean, they made in, in England, there's the Whisper Gold, which is very close. So I've got an approximate, but there are a couple of things. Take Fives. I don't know if you remember Take Fives. It was like a row of Maltesers on a block of chocolate. Oh, that was yeah. great. Did they still make Yowies? Yowies came back. So they were gone and they came back, but I don't think they're Cadbury anymore because the chocolate's a bit cheaper. Okay. I remember um, Yowies. They mm. were fun. There was a there was a yumbat, which was kind of like an Australian version of a, a caramel koala, even though a caramel koala is an Australian version. Um, Vague memory. And there, my one of my all time favorites was a vice versa, which was like, so there were basically you get a packet of vice versas, and they were like thick Smarties or thick M and M's, and they'd be brown on the outside or white on the inside, and the opposite color on the inside. So it'd be chocolate with a white chocolate shell or white chocolate with a milk chocolate shell. Um, and they were amazing. Oh, I've and never they, heard of those. That's so cool. So they were around, I would have been like maybe five or six when they stopped doing those. So that's going back 30 years. Um, can't remember much about my childhood, but I can remember the candies. Oh, um, the food. So, so <sighs> good. The food. There you go. That's, that's what I'll say for the 90s. Some of the food. Mm. Um, or like the Happy Meal toys were always great. Um, in the 90s, you get those transforming little fries and stuff like that. Yeah, they were cool. Mm. Mm. And the Happy Meal boxes were impossible to close if you were a child because they had like a weird like switch system. Like now, like in the last like 10 years, like kids are dumb. Just fold it, whatever. (laughs) Fold it, open the damn thing. It was like like, intricate. There was a whole like, you know, rope and pulley system involved to get this (laughs) thing open and closed (laughs) as a kid. Maybe too uh, many kids dropped their Happy Meals and all the shit fell out, so they're just like, enough. Mm, mm. And I just remember another thing. This is, a, this is a food thing as well from the nice People like, talk about movies, please. It's a movie podcast. We're getting there. Um, We're trying. You know us. You know we suck. You, you know, you know we get distracted. Just be glad I'm not calling her my wife anymore. Like, we're talking about food. <laughs> um, it's a weird joke to make because you are heavily pregnant as well. <laughs> I'm literally two weeks away from having my son. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. We are not, I'm like, we but are I'm going to keep making this joke. and Not it's actually a real, a real married couple, but no. we, will continue, we will continue the long con for as long as we find it funny. <laughs> well, I mean, the listeners seem to, be, seem to think it's real, so look, <laughs> it's fine. Um, this was a bad food thing that got improved after the 90s, and that was the McDonald's chicken nugget. I, because I would have chicken nuggets a lot as a child. Clearly, I've talked about two different brands. No, three technically at this point. Um, and it was back when they, before they made the chicken breast nuggets. So it'd be just like the blended up like chicken carcass. Oh, like the pulp. 
stuff. Yeah. So, but mm-hmm. what you would do is you'd get a packet of nuggets and they would have some breast nuggets in there, but then there were also the pulpy ones. And my brother and I would play a game. I don't know why, but I don't know if it was a game, but we'd like be like, all right, can you guess what? This is a good one or a bad one? He's like, this one's definitely oh, cool. a good one. And like, oh, it is a good one. You, you got to the point where you could recognize the different shades and textures of a good one versus a bad one. Um, to this day, I cannot open a packet of clinkers or eat clinkers without, without the playing the guessing game of guessing what's in the middle. And, like, even if no one's around, I'm, like, mm. in my own head, like, oh, hey, Mad, what's in the – I bet you this one I'll get wrong. <laughs> oh, fucking spray, you dickhead, wrong. And then I'll uh, try again. I don't and know if like, they still do it. Oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. I was saying, no, they still, oh, we're like an old married couple. <laughs> no, after uh, you, no, after you, sir. Uh, I don't know if they still do it, but temporarily, like or like most limited edition, they did a clinkers Cadbury block, and you had like crushed up clinkers in the chocolate block, and that was quite oh. good. Ah, someone made me a rocky road the other day with clinkers in it. Oh, oh that so sounds good. good. Yeah, I, um, I can already see the colors on the inside. Like they're not playing to my game here, guys. I don't need to guess. I can see the answers. So just do a smooth layer of chocolate around. Keep me guessing. Seriously, I was like, take it back. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I used to um, make a rocky road when I was a little bit like, – I was in my, when I was younger, I was in my 20s. And I wasn't really a big fan of cherries, still not really a big fan of cherries. So what I would do instead is just cut up snakes or jelly babies. Mm. And, do, and that would be my alternative. Um, and uh, pretty delicious, I'll be honest. It is uh, not healthy. And uh, but it is nice. Okay, we're gonna stop talking about food now because I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, me too. I um, Tina made pizza for me um, while I was putting Zoe to sleep, and I've had h- half a pizza, um, half an entire pizza. Uh, but I'm still hungry. <laughs> well, I eat always. It will yeah. be an additional snack before bed, I'm sure of it. Um, all right, we've reminisced on the 90s a little bit, mainly to just talked about food, but that's okay. It's important, uh, okay. For those of you still listening, we're now going to talk about movies. I am curious because I know one of your favorite movies of all time was made in 1993, and I wonder if it's going to make an appearance or whether you're like, I've talked about the movie, and uh, I'm not going to talk about it today. So I'm not sure which way you approach it. Um, I'm not a repeater, so like the 90s I'm, is going to be tough for me because one of my favorite directors of all time is Kevin Smith, and the first half of his filmography is in the 90s, and I've talked about most of those movies on other lists already. So I'm like, he might not get a shout-out for the 90s, even though that's what he's known for. Um, mm. But I don't like to repeat. I like to keep it, it varied. So, Maddie Schultz, without further ado, let's get into <laughs> your list. I'm very excited. I have, <laughs> I have two lists. That because, is because, that makes me so happy. Because the brain, brain, the brain in this biatch does its own thing. Uh, I have uh, the the blurb for the reasoning, and my first list is if the all the all the films that I like and I've watched and I've put on my pyramid, mm-hmm. um, if they could potentially be wiped out out of the face of existence, which five would I save? So I've got a list of the ones that I'm like, no, I I need to do the right thing for me and I need to save them. Is one of those movies do the right thing? Because that would be really good. <laughs> Negative. I don't think no. I've even seen that. I don't, think, uh, I don't even know that film. What is that film? Oh, you know what? Do the Right Thing is an 80s film by Spike Lee. I was thinking of that thing you do with Tom Hanks. Oh, um, okay. Nah. Which I think is also maybe an 80s film. So I've really misunderstood the brief today. What's well, Tom Hanks? He was and, I, a lot. and I set the brief. So 
terrible. Get in the corner. I'm losing my credibility. And my other list, the the films that I actually want to talk about, um, is the top five films that have had a significant impact on me for some reason. Is or one of them like, deep impact? Yes. Uh, is it? Oh my God, uh, is it really? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I was it. like, I'm just going to keep making jokes about movie titles based on what you said, and <laughs> I've ruined the episode. <laughs> no, legit. It's in there. It's in that list. That's, That's okay. so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, um, but my almost, reasoning why, you don't know my reasoning why. I we'll don't, and I can tell you spoilers when we get to it. I've never seen Deep Impact, so I'm really interested to hear about it. But um, mm-hmm. that was almost as exciting as the first time my friend Nick appeared on the show and we did Scorsese films, and our top three films were identical. We're just <gasps> like, oh, number three is the same, number two is the same, there's no way. Oh, my God, it's the same. <laughs> like the scene from Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? Yup. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We had to clear out the space for more activities. <laughs> we had to make bunk beds. I've actually never seen that film, but I do. Oh, really? It's, um, I really enjoyed it. Tina, um, she liked it as well, but she's like, oh, everyone keeps telling me it's brilliant. And she goes, I thought it was a bit overrated. But, um, so she was, she was, keeps talking about films that Tina doesn't like. She did like it. She just thought it was a bit <laughs> overhyped. Um, I can't watch Will Farrell. I, um, really? I, yeah. So I have this weird thing where, um, I don't quite catch sarcasm, like, 70% of the time, I just don't I just don't catch it. I don't know why. Okay. Um, and so Will Farrell. Oh, how have you been my friend for as long as you have? Because I, I, don't like... catch half, I don't catch half the things you say and then I have to go home and think about them and then I realise that, yeah. <laughs> like I remember like there was a point I kind of where. Play, I kind of play along if I, yeah, I gamble. I roll the dice and I go, oh, I think that's a joke. But I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really I'm trying to be sarcastic anymore. I've, I've been trying to change. But I know there was a point where Tina was like, you are so dry. I don't know whether you're joking or whether you're just saying something. Like, she's like, and yeah. she was like, so you got into the point where I, I don't know. And yeah. I'm, I'm annoyed at you now because I don't know. Like, are you telling a joke? Are you being serious? Just tell me. Yeah, um, sometimes you're at that level where I'm just sort of like, I, I sort of get tripped up and then I realise, wait a second, our type of friendship is you would never be a dick to me. So it's got to be sarcastic or it's got to be for comedic effect. So then, like, I just roll with it. But like I, yeah. you uh that is a very uh, i said it's a very astute assumption i would never be a dick to you no. um i uh speaking of me and we will get to movies guys but i just you just remind me of something else back when we lived in lilydale the first neighbors we had um the woman next door came over to our front porch at one point and she was looking at is it the our, is it the our porch or her porch she was going through like a pot plant it was like a dead plant and she found a wire in, in it she was oh what's that and I was like, oh, you know, it's one of those electric plants, like as a joke, like sarcastically. And oh she goes, my God. and she's, oh, what's that? And I was like, what? And she's, she's, oh, oh, you were joking. And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> and it I made didn't know. feel dumb. Oh no. And I didn't mean to, but also like I was just like, <laughs> come on, man, like, what do you mean? What's that like? <laughs> what would the benefit of an electric plant be? Please explain it to me, like. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they found a way to produce oxygen through an electric plant, like, uh, Ox. uh, sorry, yeah. lady. Oh dear. She was um, <laughs> she was a strange bird, but that's fine. Do we? Do they still say birds to describe women? Is that reductive? Maybe I shouldn't say. She was a. Oh, yeah, I don't think so. If I, only if I was from London, I say, oh, she's a strange bird. That'd be okay. Or like Roy Kent. Oh, she's a bloody, bloody strange bird. That one. 
<laughs> really. Uh, I love that voice so much. I used to, when I was watching that show, I'd do that to Tina all the time. She was like, enough, enough with Roy Kent. <laughs> that voice and Bane. I did Bane forever after The Dark Knight Rises. Like, really? People hated it. Like, they were like, oh my God, stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the look on your face. I know what you're, I know what you're trying to get me to do. Um, I don't want you to do it. It's such a stupid voice. I don't know if I can do it anymore. I'll see if I can. You have no, to, don't do the, it. The trick is to cover your mouth and you have to go, um, <laughs> what a lovely singing voice. <laughs> That's pretty close. It's so dumb. <laughs> that would be very sound, painful for you. You always sound like mildly surprised. It's yeah. so stupid. <laughs> I, um, I, <laughs> I didn't know I still had it in me, so there you go. I can <laughs> still do the pain voice. But I would do it for everything and Everyone hated it, like, <laughs> um, especially because I saw it without Tina the first time. The second time I saw it, she came along. So for the first week after I'd seen it, she's like, I don't get it. I haven't seen the movie. You have to stop until I've seen it so I can be in on this with you. Mm. Everyone's like, man, that was so close to talking about movies. Uh, so you got what two lists. There's the time? list of movies that you want to keep, you have to save, you have to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, if, uh, well, but if it's not by it's not by like humanity. It's just like but by by the I movies. Would, I would have too much guilt if I let them go, um, for various reasons. And then there's the list of films that I'm like, but these are like cherished too. So it's, I don't know. I don't know why they've ended up so dramatically different. Um, I haven't unpacked them that well. But so are we doing two lists today, or is it like you're doing a quick list and then the real list, or how are we presenting it? Because there are yeah, no rules I'll with do, the show. I'll do my quick. I'll do my quick list of like mm-hmm. ones that I have to save. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, I'll just tell you the ones that I'm like. I just if I let this go, I would feel bad, or like my siblings would kill me, or like you know the moments that are you know, where I watched that as a family and, you know, had a really great movie night would be non-existent if I got rid of that film or, like, like just that quick little list. And then there's the list of ones that I'm like, but these films are, like, in in me. They're like, yeah. I definitely appreciate the um, the threat of inter-family violence. We're like, no, no, my family would murder me if I didn't save these movies. They would. Uh, and, you, no, you'll agree. Okay, look, ready? Seriously. Number five. Starting from the bottom up, if I didn't save Iron Giant. That's a good point. That's a solid flick. You, like, break my legs. Vin Diesel's best performance. Like, I, uh, yeah. Like, uh, what what is he? No, I'm trying to think of, um, what does he say at the end? No, Otamo. He doesn't want to be the bad guy. Mm. Doesn't want to be a gun. Anyway. Um, Um, Great movie. And um, I remember the only reason I even considered watching that Bumblebee film is because, like, oh, it's, it's Iron Giant. Like that's what they've done with this. They've done, um, they've done Iron Giant in a way. Um, yeah, it's the, only, it's the only Transformers film I've watched to the end, and was like, you know what, that one was for me. Um, <clears throat> but only because it gave it. off strong Iron Giant vibes. Um, yeah, it's fun. Like you know, yeah. if you're not a Transformers person, like you have to convince yourself to watch it. Like I'm not a Transformers guy at all, but I enjoyed Bumblebee. But yeah, Iron Giant is a beautiful movie. Mm. Um, so like, if I didn't save it, yeah. like. That would be bad. Um, number four, Forrest Gump. I, ha- I have to say Forrest Gump. I have to. I love That's, it. I love Forrest Gump. The first time I saw that, I, I think that was the first movie or one of the first movies I cried watching. <clears throat> I think the first one I cried watching was Lion King, which is, I think, pretty strong contender for most people my age. Um, but I watched Forrest Gump way younger than I should have. Like, it's not an adult film. 
but there's plenty of stuff in there that like just goes over a kid's head and like there's a lot of like mm. um like teenage sex and like drugs and war and like all sorts war, of yeah there's heaps of stuff that sort of pops up that you think if i as a child asked questions during the viewing of this film i don't know how my parents would navigate this or how they'd like well my, <clears throat> i think my mom showed it to me my mom was a bit of a rule breaker i've been thinking about this a lot lately i'm um I'm working on a project, um, which I, I can tell you about off mic, but I'm not ready to share it with the with the listeners yet. But I'm working on a project, I've been thinking about it a lot. And <clears throat> my mum, like her role in my in my life as far as movie goes, which is a rule breaker. She didn't like care if it was suitable for me or not. Like she wasn't showing me like Friday the Thirteenth or anything like that. But like I remember seeing um, Rasputin under the age of ten. Rasputin's not a very well known film, but it's about the the, the Russian monk Rasputin mm. and the family he worked for. And the final scene of that film is a guy goes to take a photo of the family, but they've hidden guns in the camera and, like, they shoot the family to death. And right before it happened, my mom was like, oh, cover your eyes. Like, because she realised that at eight years old, probably not, not the right, probably yeah. not the right movie for me. <clears throat> so Forrest Gump was one of those ones she showed me at an early age as well. But um, mm, Same. My parents didn't really follow, like, the PG rating or the G ratings um, religiously or anything. They more were to do with, like, yeah, the content, the things that we are able to be exposed to. And, yeah, I think in our last podcast I spoke about how my – my imagination was just wild. Mm. So there was definitely some films that, yeah, I got banished upstairs and then my entire family watched without me, um, but it wasn't for me. And I never argued about it. I trusted them completely. Like, mm. okay, clearly that's not for me. Totally fine. And, yeah, they were very similar because we watched, yeah, varying varying films all the time. Mm. Um, but I think my parents just knew, no, they can handle this or they actually might find this really, really interesting. Like. I think but, I saw Apollo 13 when I was mm. like nine or 10 years old. And I yeah. think my dad was like Alistair and Lindsay, my, my old sister and my younger brother. They were like, I don't think they're going to really care about this film or handle this film. But Maddie's actually going to be really into this. Mm. And so she's going to like this and it's going to be fine. She's not going to have nightmares about being stuck in space or anything. And yeah. And so mm. that was a really interesting one to watch younger. Those are those are the treacherous waters that I'm going to be entering soon because like, I'm starting to show Zoe things, um, and I don't want to mess her up, but also I don't want to be like, oh well, you know, like when you're older, maybe. Like I, <clears throat> I wasn't a rebellious kid. If I got told no, I was like fine. But I told a story. I think it was last week. Actually, I told a story where um, there's a member of my family, not my immediate family, but a member of my family. I won't name names. I won't call them out. But um, I would go to their house sometimes and I was walking with that person back to to the video store to return training day, which they had watched. And I was like 12. So training day wasn't for me, but I didn't really have a, sorry. No, no, this is the Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke cop movie. Uh Oh, the cop one. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. Really good. Really good flick. Um, But I hadn't seen it. And of course I hadn't because I was too young. And I said to them, I was like, Oh, how was training day? And like, in an effort to bond because I had nothing in common with this person. I was just trying to like have a conversation because we're together. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, not for you. That was their review of the film. Not for you. I was like, Oh, cool. Well, I guess that was a successful family bonding all done. Um, <clears throat> and um, I, I, yeah, like I was, yeah, my dad was pretty strict with stuff with movies and stuff like that. Like um, with the exception of the movies that he liked. Um, so like those kind of raunchy comedies and stuff. He's like, mm-hmm. no guns, no swearing, but boobs, go for it. Like everyone loves boobs. And I was like, look, you might be onto something here, old man. Uh, but <laughs> people also like guns and swearing sometimes. Um, 
So I don't want to repeat. Like, and I'm I'm not like bitter against my dad. Like, I understand. Like, it makes sense. Like, it turned out all right. I think, but I don't want to like hold Zoe to those same rules. So I've been trying to show her different things. Like, we've um, she's obsessed with Frozen. She loves Frozen, and Frozen's pretty dark, especially that first like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I was, and she's, but we we showed her like Nightmare Nightmare Before Christmas when she was much younger. Like, we didn't show the whole film, but showed her scenes. I remember saying to Tina, I'm like. She doesn't find this scary. I wonder why she doesn't find this scary. Like, it's pretty creepy. Mm. And Tina was like, yeah, I'm not sure. And, like, it kind of clicked. I'm like, well, I guess we've never taught her fear. She like, doesn't we know she's meant to be frightened <clears throat> of vampires and ghosts. And yeah, we, didn't, we don't are. use the word scary. We don't use the – we don't like, we don't use that terminology. We just kind of, like, show her, hey, this is – you know, what do you think? And she mm. finds it interesting. Um, so the one I want to show her, and I, she might be too young for this one, but I want to show her Into the Spider-Verse because that is, like, a colourful – like action packed yeah, she loves all the she loves all the Spider-Man film Love all the Spider-Man, Spider-Man characters. Yeah. She's watching um Spidey and his amazing friends on Disney Plus at the moment. And um they've just introduced some new villains um and some new heroes. Like Iron Man showed up finally, Ant Man showed up. Mm-hmm. There was like an episode where Hulk got shrunk into a baby and she's like baby Hulk. So So yeah, but um we're we're toying with uh and like Disney films, especially those older Disney films, like those are dark. So um yeah. But yeah, so I'm trying to um I don't want to like overdo it too quickly and, and like, you know, scare her or freak her out, but at the same time I want to be able to just, like have that relationship. Like, hey, we're gonna watch this. Hey, I'm pulling you out of school early. Let's go see a movie that's not suitable for you. Um like that kind of thing. Maggie's just gotten into um Coco and we were at the shops the other day and I needed to buy her winter jammies um mm. for when she sleeps at my mum's house because my mum's house is really cold. And so I was like, you need to choose. You can choose any jammies you like. And she literally scoured like this big, massive wall at Big W of all the girls' jammies, all the boys' jammies. Like, I don't care. And literally there's a pair of jammies that are like a skeleton. And she picked them out straight away. She was mm. like, skeleton. I want to be a skeleton. I want to have bones. Like <laughs> You do have like, bones. Hey, kid, you've got to – don't worry about it. Well, I had to explain to her what bones were. And so now every now and again she'll like poke my arm and be like, there's a bone in there. And I'm like, there's bones. <laughs> There's bones everywhere. There's bones like in my head. There's bones in my legs. There's bones in my toes. And then she looks at me like, "What? Why? What?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, she's gonna look like a skeleton. <laughs> I, I still haven't seen Coco, but um, it's on my list. I went through Disney Plus the other day and I added all the animated films from the last couple of years I haven't watched yet because I've missed them, and I'm gonna start burning through them soon. Um, so Coco is on the list, and that's a six-year-old movie at this point. Like that's how far behind I am. Oh bloody um, hell! Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. On your short list, we're up to number three. Three. The Mummy. Oh, I'm shocked this isn't on your proper list. Um, well, I mean, it could. It absolutely could have been. But, yeah, it definitely deserves to be on the list of I need to save this film. I cannot let this film go into the existence of nothinghood because, like, <clears throat> what a fun ride. What a sexy God, Brendan Fraser is. Like, and he's what? back. He's back. I know. Like, he's been back for a couple of years. Like, people are like, oh, my goodness, the whale. He's been in – He like, he's done four seasons of Doom Patrol and is wonderful mm. in it. Um, like, when I started yeah. watching Doom Patrol, and I'm like, is that Brendan Fraser? Like, oh, my God, he's back. Where's he been? Like, I'm so glad he's back. Um, but I just – He's like, with his trauma, poor guy. Yeah. Like, oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Him uh, – yeah. Him in The Mummy, it, like – Talk about the sexual awakening when I saw him in George of the Jungle. Like, holy crap. That's a <laughs> look, that is a flick. Like that's a that's a solid movie. Leslie Mann. Leslie uh, Mann, yeah. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say about the the mummy? I only saw that 
I think the first time when I was 30. I was, like, I was quite old the first time I saw The Mummy. And it held up so well. Don't know what's going on with Rachel Vice between then and now. It's a very different person. Um, mm. But um, no, solid, solid flick. Oh, um, the, comedic, the comedic timing was so <clears throat> comforting and soothing and just exactly what you bloody wanted. Like, he was our crazy. Indiana Jones. 100%. Yes. Mm. He was so, yeah, he, yeah, loved it. Even the bangs. The bangs were just the most perfect Disney Prince bangs you've ever seen in your life. Or like, like Backstreet Boys bangs. Like it was like that. Oh. that, that. Oh. Um, he oh, he had a great run, you know. But shirt. Oh, so good. Anyway. He had a solid sort of run. Dudley Do-Right, Bedazzled, like – um, mm. He did some some really interesting stuff. I um I've been saying for a while now that the '90s to me are defined by the three M's, and that's the Mummy, Men in Black, and the Matrix. Those mm. I don't I don't know if any of those other movies pop up, so we'll keep it at that. But like to me, I'm like those three films like are huge for the '90s. Mine feel more like um like the actors themselves. Like I feel like the '90s was really Tom Hanks's time, Keanu mm. Reeves's time. Um. And strangely, a lot of the films that I really adore, Kevin Costner. He's uh, he's still kicking, man. He's still doing cool stuff. Yeah, like he does yeah, not like stop. His nineties catalog would like Dancing with Wolves. I watched a lot. Yeah, I watched a water, lot of Kevin Costner films. Waterworld was that nineties? Yes. Um, I've never seen Waterworld. Um, I didn't watch it for the longest time because it was too terrible. And now I'm just like, why did I listen it's to people? One of those- it's one of those polarizing ones, like heaps and heaps of people are like divided, split down mm. the middle. Some think it's just horrendous and other people love it. And I am in the love it category. Love um, it. I think my friend Josh really liked it as well. Um, he's got, he's got eclectic tastes. Like <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I'll leave him alone, but I will make fun of him one more time. <laughs> like when we, when he did his first episode on his top five lists of all time, he had artificial intelligence, and I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> Explain this to me now." I like uh, AI as well. Yeah, uh, but everyone oh, thinks I, it's it is a, or it's not, but I like it. Yeah, look, I don't dislike it. It's a depressing film. I just don't know why it was on his top five of all time, um, but that's fine. Like, <laughs> it's it's so funny because this show is. You never know what strikes a chord with people. Well, this show is so positive. I'm always like, there's no bad films and there's no judgment, but I judged him so hard in that episode and it's been over 30 episodes. It's been almost a year and I've just done it again. <laughs> Drag him through the mud. <laughs> we, um, we're, hitting, we're getting close to um, the, the one-year anniversary of this show, actually, which is very exciting. Um, so number two on my list is mm-hmm. Little Women, the Winona Ryder. No, Winona Ryder one. Um, I don't know if I've seen that one. I've seen the, the Florence Pugh one. But yeah. I don't know if I've seen the Winona Ryder one, but I know that's a, a treasure to a lot of people. Yeah, we've spoken about it before, how it's just, yeah, the warm cup of cocoa and mm. with your girlfriends and it's just, yeah, it's it's one of those films that you're like, I need comfort. Like that's the that's the one you put on. I need comfort. I need the gaggle of women talking over each other and around each other and, yeah. So I had to save that. That would just not fly if I didn't. And top of the list um, is a complete bias on my behalf, and that's Contact, which we've spoken about before. Yeah. So, like, look yeah. up our other podcasts for why I love Contact so much. But if but I, I think, it, like, I think if you're saving movies, like, you're allowed to be biased because they're the movies you want to save. Um, yeah, but some of the other ones I saved because, like, 
like the Iron Giant I've saved for myself and for all of humanity. Like I'm thinking about others. Yeah, so you've done your work for the world and now be selfish. Like it's fine. Yeah, and like the mummy I've done for myself and my family because that was – And for women and men everywhere. And for everyone everywhere, yeah. But contact is like all about me. No, I have Mm. to save that. I can't let that go ever. So – um, that is a that's yeah. a pretty solid saving movies list. Mm. Um, I've seen I've, I've seen a, f- a few of them. Um, oh, the Mummy, like you're making me want to watch The Mummy. Like I've been trying to get it on Blu-ray for a while because it got deleted in Australia, so I'm trying to get my hands on an international copy. But man, that flick, so, so good. good, great cast. Um, I can't remember the actor's name who plays Rachel Vice's brother, but like, great. Like everyone's right. good. Yeah, thumbs up. Even <clears> like <throat> even the supporting cast. Like, um, you know, the professors from the university or the, you know, the rival archaeological team, the dude that plays Benny. Like, how, like, gr- how, like, grotty is the dude that plays Benny? Like, even his little, like, fuck teeth and his, yeah, love it. So <laughs> Like, in a world where they're sequelizing all these 90s films, like, it's time to bring back The Mummy, right? Like, we're getting Indiana Jones 5 this year. Why can't we get The Mummy 4? Um <laughs> I don't know, do we really want the mummy coming back again? Well, How no, because because now that be dragged be dragged out from the underworld. But like now, well, I mean, I mean, like in a world where the Tom Cruise mummy didn't work for people, um, I didn't have anywhere near as many problems with that film as most people did. But like people hate that film. Um, I thought it was fine. In a world where that isn't happening and they are re- resurrecting old franchises, like, and Brendan Fraser is like on everyone's lips right now. Like this is the time to do it. Um, Make him make him the mummy. Like he something went wrong. He's got a curse or something. Um, I don't know. A, a goofy old curse. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting as much pushback as I got. We were like, "Do we need?" It? I was like, "I guess not." Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was stumped. Um, that's absolutely fine. Let's jump into your real list. So this is the list, the five that you you love the most. Is that what you said? How did you, how did you divide again? I just said they had a significant impact. So there's different reasons why they've hit a heartstring or they've been sewn into the fabric of my soul. Or So some of them I might not have like, you know, glorious – like love for where I'll defend them to the death, like a chihuahua, you know, against a Great Dane or anything like that. But for some reason they're like part of my stitching sort of thing. Um, uh, your metaphors are on point this evening. I just want to say <laughs> like between stitching things into the fabric of your soul and defending things like a chihuahua against a Great Dane, uh, <laughs> definitely hitting all the high notes. <laughs> I like, you know, the graphic imagery. You really I appreciate it. Yeah. There's no, there's no misinterpreting what I'm saying. This it way. is, uh, it's theatre for the mind over here. Like, the, so you're painting a picture. Hmm. Um. Well, you already guessed. My number five is Deep Impact. So I, I've never seen Deep Impact. This is Morgan Freeman. Is that? Yes. Tierney, Morgan Freeman, Elijah Wood. Oh, Oive. Um. Who else? Hey, that's the first Oive of the podcast. <laughs> it, it definitely is. I've never heard anyone else do it. So you are. Just you're just trying to claim as many firsts as possible. No, I did it on our last podcast. I think I said it a couple of times. So oh, I'm did you? How many times I'll say it on this one? <laughs> I um, I I've erased those from my memory. I was going to give you titles like the first one in almost a year. Um, <laughs> is it a is it Roland Emmerich who directed it? Is that 
Is this his jam? I have no idea. I mean, I could do a live Google, but I can look it up. I can. You do it, James. You're the host. You figure out why I talk about the movie. Heavy lifting. I'm just the guest here. That's Um, when you're right. You're right. Robert Duvall, you missed, by the way. Um, It's Mimi Lita. She directed The Peacemaker with uh, George Clooney Mm -hmm. on the basis of sex. The. this oh, Betty Ginsburg movie. The recent one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. She um she's done a couple of things, man. Mm-hmm. I um I, I've never heard of her before, and that's not her problem. Like that I haven't paid enough attention. Um, no. there you go. Anything else interesting? A couple of things that I haven't heard of, but that's all good. Um, nice one. No, this I, came yeah. and this came out the same time as around the same time as Armageddon. It was like there were two competing yeah. there's there was like two competing volcano films, two competing meteor films. Yeah. Yep. And then like, yeah. So Deep Impact was the one that I saw first in terms of like most like apocalyptic. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I saw, I must have seen Waterworld first with my dad. So like that in terms of an apocalypse or the world can't sustain humans, etc. I think I saw Waterworld first, but Deep Impact was one of the first ones. Um, and I remember seeing it on TV. And then from then on, every time it was on TV, like I wasn't going to miss it. I loved it. And it all stems back to, like, I am a big fan of a disaster film where, like, a big chunk of the population are going to, like, like eat shit and die. Like, I don't yeah, know look, Ever the optimist. I can't yeah, wait to I, see these ants. I couldn't tell you why Boom. I enjoy it. I just love a good cull. And at the same time where you get to follow... Um, I think my I think my sisters just said you just like to follow one ant while the rest of the colony drowns. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of where I was going with it as well. So that's solid. Yeah. I um well I know as well that you you like I know you love a disaster film. You also like a bit of a cheesy film. Is this kind of a cheat? Is this a bit of a cheesy yeah. film? Yeah. yeah because yeah, I know yeah. we talked about a while ago, not on the show, Crawl, which is like it's a tornado film with alligators. Um, and wow. I was like, yeah. so I wonder it's- if this is. Yeah, it's not in no way is it a comedy or anything, but it's just, yeah, it's got moments that you can kind of eye roll and be like, of course they threw that one in there. And Mm. like, yeah, so this big giant meteor is going to collide with Earth Mm -hmm. is the basic premise. Um, And, yeah, you get to watch a few different protagonists and their storyline and their arc. Um. And when I watched it for the first time when I was younger, um, the political sort of stuff went over my head a little bit. But I think I must have been slightly just in sort of puberty, teenagerhood. And so the thought of like Elijah Wood gets to marry like his high school sweetheart while they're still in high school because the world's going to end. I just was like, that's really cute. And I liked the Romy com, well, not rom com, <laughs> the romancy there, the weird force romance there um, <laughs> and then with every new viewing just different things popped up that I just really liked I like the typical perfect 90s like soundtrack or you know style I was going to ask you about soundtrack what are what are some of the hits on this on this bad boy it's it's orchestration okay um, but the 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 quality to the sound is so 90s the um you know the drum coming in at like a suspense moment where someone's about to like get up from their desk and move somewhere else and there's the drum or like um it's really yeah really iconic 90s sort of 
it's what you'd expect. Um, Morgan Freeman, of course, plays like the president and he's just a total president where he's perfect. And mm. yeah, it's very, very predictable. Um, and I don't know, yeah, I just really enjoy it. I'm, I always watch it. It's on three times a year for me easily. Mm. When I wow. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, one of the only weird things about that I only realised later was um, not to give spoilers away, but the... Oh, it's like a 30-year-old film. Like, you can spoil it. Like, oh, anyone who gets but, mad about it at this point. Seen, you haven't seen Oh, but that won't change my enjoyment of it. Like, I've got a pretty good idea of how things are going to turn out. Um, well, there's a, a space shuttle. Of course, the Americans are going to save the world. What? You know, as they do. Good work. Um, yeah. And so they fly their space shuttle and they're going to set off uh, an explosive nuke that's going to shatter. Oh, the... so it really is like Armageddon. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, exactly the same thing in terms of their arc. They're going to shatter it and it's going to split apart and it's going to miss Earth, no problem, in all these little tiny pieces. Um, but when they blow it up, um, it splits in two instead. And so the... Um, yeah, it splits in two, so there's still going to be a collision, mm. a catastrophic collision. Um, and so one of the interesting things <laughs> I find, I don't know if it's rude to say, but they self-sacrifice. They decide, like, oh, we'll, we'll just fly our spaceship into it and blow ourselves up, and that will disintegrate the bigger of the two asteroids or whatever. But it's just so quick. And none of them are, like, show ponies about it or, like, overly American or, like, patriotic. Like, they literally just have this conversation of, we'll just do it. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll all have high schools named after us. And that's it, which I Mm. find really unusual or, like. It's dodging the stereotype. Like, you expect them. Normally there's back and forth. There's always some sort of egotistical asshole that's like, no, man, I'm not going to do that. Yeah my family but they just they're just all sitting there and they're all just like yep all right like yeah and i find that really refreshing and i like that aspect um, nice one yeah cool. that's that's solid um i'll tell you what no one's ever really tried to sell me on deep impact you're doing a pretty good job um is uh is deep impact your favorite disaster film or is there one that ranks higher where like where do you go with your disaster films no i think it's my favorite interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one that gets repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated more than Dante's Peak, more than Twister, um, more than Waterworld. What am I missing? What am I not thinking of? I am. I, um, I was a big – I've only seen Dante's Peak once. That film when I saw it for the first time terrified. I never watched the whole thing, but like – I like remember the, what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, like the old woman in the boat. And, yeah. And, um, and Volcano also terrified mm-hmm. me, the guy jumping it, falling into the lava. I um, – I was a big fan of Day After Tomorrow. I loved Day After Tomorrow. Oh, yes. I love that film. That one was really fun. Um, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, Emmy Rossum, who is just so underappreciated as a performer. Like, she's so mm. good. Um, I think Dennis Quaid is in it as well. Like, um, yeah. That's yeah, no, quite... I love that one. Yep, Day After Tomorrow. Like, yeah. I don't watch a lot of disaster films. Um, it was never a genre. Again, like, when I was younger, it was never a, a genre I, I kind of was gravitated to. Um, but now I'm getting older, like I should go back and watch them. I remember like when 2020, when 2012 came out, I was like, well, like if the whole world's meant to be explode, like how is there a happy ending to this film? But apparently there is. So 
But um, the um, the, oh, the uh, John Cusack one. Um, that's twenty twelve, isn't it? Twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think I just I like like I'm pragmatic. I like watching how people are going to solve a problem, and so mm. for me, thrillers or like whodunit films doesn't quite do it for me. In the disaster film, it's yeah, like how they're going to do this and what's the next roadblock and, you know, the same as The Martian. How's he going to solve that problem? Mm. And then he hits another problem. How are they going to solve that? And how are they going to get out of that deep water moment and then the next deep water moment and and then, you, you know, be human at the same time and, yeah, I like Will it. you cross into the disaster film, which is also a giant monster film, so will you go for a Godzilla? Will you go for a King Kong, that kind of thing? Godzilla is in the pyramid for sure, but he didn't make the list. Mm. Well, I, I just mean in terms of characters and stuff, like – because when love I was watching, because yeah. I love Kong Skull Island, I think that is such a brilliant, like fun popcorn movie. Really mm. embraces like the best of what those films are meant to be. But I've never really connected with the the gods the the modern Godzilla films. Like the first Godzilla film, I thought was fine, mm. um, and then King of the Monsters again. Like and and even Godzilla vs Kong, I'd never really connected with them because it was just so like I just the human story just felt so unimportant yeah. like yeah where's yeah. kong skull island like you got john c Riley. he's running around he's a crazy man living in a boat like, there's a lot kind of fun stuff so and then you know there's a certain point where king kong like has a weapon and he's like cutting up a t-rex and stuff <laughs> um but i was wondering with it because those, those, those... But he's appreciate he's appreciated by that culture on the mm. island and like yeah i like that he got a nod for you know a monster film where, because we always talk about how the monster films, they're, they're only a monster because humans have decided they are. So it was mm. nice that, yeah, you're on this island and the culture that they're actually are like, no, we need this guy. He's great. It's like, yeah. But I am. But those modern monster films, especially those Godzilla films, I feel fall into the category of disaster movies. I'm like, there's just, there's so much going on. There's so much mm. chaos. But also, like, I don't, I'm like, how did. I don't know how you're going to solve the problem. Like, how do you solve yeah. the problem at this point? It's, it's too it's big. La- it's lazy and it's irritating because it's like, it, just how much shit can we destroy or how much shit can we blow up? Like, that's like. Which is another problem I have with those Transformers yeah. films. Like, this is the most negative I've been on the show. And like, I, and like, that's why I'm like, there are no bad films, but there are films that definitely aren't for me. And like, Transformers definitely falls under that, that umbrella. Mm. And I feel like most of those Godzilla films aren't really for me either. Like, that Kong one, I love. But, like, I felt like they did my boy, you know, kind of uh, unfair in that Godzilla vs. Kong film. I'm like, ah, like, that Kong film mm. was so good and you've leaned into the Godzilla side of it all, not the character, just the way you've presented the film. We're like, oh, yeah, big monster smash. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, get the personality and the humor of those Kong Skyland film in, into that. So, yeah. But um, I wondered whether that kind of, you kind of went into, that kind of crossed over for you. And it sounds like it does, which is cool. Yeah, it definitely does, especially yeah. with Godzilla. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, well, Jeff Goldblum. Um, I figured like he'd have to make an appearance at some point. I think I feel he may still make an appearance at some point. Um, mm-hmm. You're looking at me in a very strange way. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a visual gag and no one can see it, but you just pulled an expression I've literally never seen you pull before. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't even know what my face did. Oh, dang. No, it was like. It, uh, it like it was a face of like intolerance and just like shut up, move on. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't. It was a 
Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't I'm, just, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I, I, I'm not messing about the face. I have no idea what it was, but it wasn't dismissive or like <laughs> reductive. <laughs> um, Deep Impact number five. We've been going for an hour, by the way. They're like, oh my I god, I don't care about toys and fries or Godzilla. Just get to the movie. You we listened tried. to the. You checked into the wrong podcast, my yeah. friends. If you thought we were well, going to go in a straight angel. line. You'll see in the title that I'm on this episode, and so you—that's—that's that's your warning, just straight up. That's your yeah. warning. Yeah. You guys should know. Well, I mean, your name may not be in the title. It depends on. Um, well, in the blurb I, then. In the blurb. It will be definitely in the blurb. This, we'll put a hashtag war- warning. Yeah. Waffle. Um, <laughs> nonsense will ensue. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what your last episode title was called. Oh no, you, it is still Madnolias, and then before that, yeah. it was a, it's a Mad Mad Maddie World. So yeah, yeah, okay, you have been in both. Okay, well they've been warned. Um, <laughs> it'll really depend on your list to see how I can make a pun. Um, I you're really, gonna like, you're gonna I really, like my number four. Oh good, I really pride myself in the ability to make as many titles puns as possible. There's only like one or two episode titles that aren't puns, and I feel like no one really gets i'm really trying so i got to the point where i'm like well they have to all be puns now they can never not be puns i have to make it work no um, i like the puns anyway anyway your number four i'm really gonna appreciate i'm excited yeah you're gonna like it it's the fifth element oh we talked about this last week as well mm-hmm. fifth element. um it is a solid solid flick it was also yeah. number four on on her list as well so yeah you're gonna yeah. like it for sure i knew you'd like it i love yeah i think this one was a feast for me in terms of visuals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this one was like, oh, I just, I loved the so heavily like jarring juxtaposition of stuff, the grunginess versus the modern. And it like, it seemed, it seemed so tangible as a future for us. Mm. Like to still have like flying cars, but like dirty buildings and like, you know, Maccas and, like, junk in an airport. Like, it just, it seems so, so, so tangible that, yeah, I really loved it. And just, yeah, all these different contrasting, conflicting juxtapositions, like hardcore religion versus the sci-fi aspect versus military versus Mm. aliens versus cruise, luxury cruise ships, like, (laughs) Fuck, it was so good. Um, well, I was talking about this last week, and if there's one element of this movie that is definitively nine, it is Chris uh, Tucker, which is, I'll be honest, yeah. the most challenging part of the movie today. Oh, I, everything, he, everything he wears, his big <laughs> giant collars and his tiny little matchstick legs. I don't know. They must, have, <laughs> they must have sewed him into his costume. And just every five seconds, come in, come in, come in. <laughs> is he dead? Oh, love, um, And Gary Oldman, I've never like everyone so that Gary good. Oldman plays is different. Like I don't know why I'm so shocked because he just he can just pull out the most diverse stuff that that villain I didn't see coming. That style of like he's scary and he's a bit off the wall, but he's neurotic. But he's mm. like it's like he's pent up. Like all this, so much of this anger, and it's just bubbling inside him. But he never mm. quite like lets the steam out, and you can just, oh, he's cool as he's so cool as a villain. Really good villain. Um, I think it's the debut of Mila Jovovich as well, or definitely one of her earliest films. Yeah, uh, she rocks the uh, the the 
the the iconic orange hair, and she has that uh, the outfit that inspired a million cosplayers, which is the weird rubber overalls. Um, I've done seat belts before. What's that? I went to I went to a Monash University like sexual health week party, mm. um, and so you had to dress up, and I totally went in the white seat belt. Oh, you did the bandages. Did the bandages. I sewed the whole costume myself and everything, and went in the bandages, and it was a hit. That didn't is know, a. I didn't know. Oh, I'm not there, surprised that like, it was a hit yeah. because it's not really a costume. <laughs> no, but as in, like everybody was like, "Yes, cool costume," and this is the place to do it. Or like, "Did you make that?" And like, yeah, everyone was like appreciative. It was cool. It is a ballsy and very liberating costume. I'll, I'll put that out. But True. I'm but all I'm into, saying, and I'm look, I'm not. Club, but once into club, I wasn't hot. <laughs> As in, as in over, as in you weren't feeling the temperature wasn't too hot. I was like, I would argue yeah, that, I would argue that if you're wearing that at a club and you're like in your late teens, early twenties, people are thinking it's pretty hot. <laughs> I gave I gave the boys in the mesh tops a run for their money. We were all pretty well ventilated. That's up. <laughs> and then my brother-in-law borrowed it to wear to some party, and then I never asked for it back after that. That's fair yeah. and sensible. Um, yeah, I was like, cool, you can keep that now, buddy. That um, I, I quote Fifth Element so regularly in my life, and it's just the one line, and it's "Please help." The way she says "Please help," yeah, we say "multi pass," multi pass, yeah, And we say, "Oh, oh, 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 I gotta stop throwing throwing it under the bus, but it's another one that Tina does not like. She can't stand Fifth Element, um, and I haven't she's watched. Not, it. She's not an overly sci-fi person. You are talking about the woman who is obsessed with the Matrix, like loves, loves, loves the Matrix. Yes, uh, but I think she loves the Matrix for sort of the Keanu ethics. Reeves. Yeah, for Keanu, well, Keanu Reeves for the <laughs> ethics, for the action, mm. rather than the sci-fi. Persuasion. It's de- like it's definitely out there. It's definitely out there. For, like, I get it. Like because it's also like directed by Luc Besson, so it's very French. Like it's got very a very French sensibility about it. Like a very um, European take on an American sci-fi movie. Like it's not it's not Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like there's you know there's a mm. five minute opera scene and there's uh, a guy Ooh, bleeding. How cool is that chick though? Yeah, yeah great. Um, all the visual effects and makeup and stuff are brilliant. In it. it's, it's it's such a solid flick. It, um, I haven't seen it in a number of years. I've got to get back to it and give another watch. Um, and it's interesting. I was talking about this last week, but Luc Besson obviously went on to direct um, Valerian mm-hmm. and the, the City of a Thousand Planets, um, which I, which I haven't seen. But a lot of people like that movie. Oh, a lot of actually, you know what? That's not fair. A lot of people didn't like that movie. But the whole thing with Valerian was Luc Besson had to wait until time he made it because the technology didn't exist that he wanted so in the 90s when he wanted to make it he made the fifth element like that was his version of valerian and people like yeah you didn't need to make valerian because you made fifth element and it's a element like that's Mm. that is a gift you don't Mm. need to yeah Mm. but um but yeah it's not yeah i haven't touched base with that one in a while it's probably been over a decade since i watched it but definitely on a re on the rewatch list Um, but fun 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 and like you it's peak bruce willis like it's it's a good performance yeah yeah every everybody does a good performance it's the pace yeah and sometimes i get a bit weird with like erratic like really erratic jarring cut 
overly stimulating films. But this one didn't go that way. Like it had the potential to be a bit too, like. Much? I don't know. Yeah, it had the potential <laughs> to just go a bit too far and it didn't. It kept, it, mm. You know, it kept its hands on the reins really, really well and I think that really helps, you know, get across a bigger audience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's – um. Yeah, it's absolutely definitive nine. It's like you can't talk about the nine without talking about Fifth Element. It's a great flick. Mm. Uh, excellent. All righty, we just took a little break there, but that's all good. Um, Fifth Element, solid movie, up to number three. I can't Shawshank wait. Shawshank Redemption. What a goddamn film. Um, yeah. What? Uh, I'll be honest, we've seen Morgan come up a couple of times, which I am not disappointed by. No, but talk about like a recipe for just a gorgeous, gorgeous film, oh, excellent film. Like, holy crap. It, you can't really get too much better than Shawshank. It's, yeah. It's on a lot of number one lists. I think it's still the number one li- movie on IMDb. Um, yeah. It's one of the, like, I don't, it, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like a online, there's a thing going around for the time. I think it was 93. I think Shawshank was 93. I was like, it's 1993. This year, you can go see Shawshank Redemption, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. Like, it was like, again, like on and on and on and on, like all these movies. Um, it's such a, based on Stephen King short story, if I remember correctly, um, Shawshank. Um, I think it is. I think it's I based think on. I thought it was a novel. No, I thought it was a novel by someone else. Oh, it's not Stephen King. Oh, you know, what? I might be thinking of Green Mile. Um, I think you might be, I think it's a, I think it's source material is a novel. Um, from somebody else. It, oh, is, Steve, no, it is Stephen King. No, it is Stephen King. King. Sorry. No, sorry. I'm thinking of another film. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Also, it was 94. I was wrong. There was a 93 for sure, Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, talk about, like, it could have been a recipe for disaster in terms of, like, no, not many films that are set in the same place. Like, you don't really go anywhere. You mm-hmm. see the same four walls almost all the time or the inside of a freaking prison cell. Like, that has a recipe to really slow, like be slow and boring. And for some reason, it doesn't matter. Like we're in a prison for the whole film and it's doesn't matter. It's so fantastic. And we've had a couple of pretty good prison films up until this point as well. So you're also competing with, you know, The Great Escape and uh, mm. and Midnight Midnight Express. And like there, like there are a few like solid prison films already. So to do that, You've got the winning combination of Stephen King, obviously. Um, I know yeah. some. I know there are some people who think it's cool to like think Stephen King's not a good writer or like to come after him, but it's the guy's solid. No, and fr- Frank da- is, yeah. <laughs> and Frank Darabont, like master director, he went on to do The Mist. He went on to do Walking Dead. Um, he's mm. done a bunch of things, Frank Darabont, and like he does, he adapts um, Stephen King material quite well. It's an interesting film because it's not. Even though it's like considered like widely one of the the best films of all time, it's not really a film for everyone. Like it's a pretty like confronting film. It's pretty dark, but like yeah. everyone loves it. Even though like you know there's um there's suicide and there's people getting abused and and all sorts it's like because you really get you really get attached. Mm. Like and the Dufresne. The Dufresne. <laughs> I saw. I remember the first time I saw Andy Dufresne. Called through a river. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's got. Yeah, I agree with you. The 
the the characters themselves and the way that they interact with are they guilty are they innocent you know you know this one's been hard done by and like the ethics behind it are all there they're all swimming around when you're watching the film but for some reason you really give a crap like the really... red stuff is infuriating. Like every time he gets, like by the time he gets, like he gets knocked back, and he, you're like, Jesus Christ! Like, and like he's, you know, I, and I can't. It's been a while since the sense, so I can't remember like if he actually was guilty or not. I think he was guilty, if I remember correctly. But just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He admits at, a, to at being a certain point, yeah, yeah. At a certain point, you're just like, geez, like this guy is going to die here. Just let him out. And then there's the other guy who, like, the he Brooks. can't. Yeah, Brooks. Yeah, he can't adjust to. To real life because he's been in prison for so long. But you, you hit the nail on that. It's the characters. Like, that's why, like, the movie works so well. Like, it's the mm-hmm. performances and the development of those characters. Like, it's such a – it's without that, the film falls apart. Like, it's, mm. it is a three-hour slog if you don't have those characters. But, but it's all male. And the relationships between the males are ones that we're not really presented with very often mm. either. And it's because of the context because of this shared prison, this shared experience, this shared you could be innocent, you could be guilty, but it doesn't matter, we're all in here. So mm. suddenly this slate is just wiped clean and, yeah, it's 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 an all-male film. It's really cool. Mm. And I'm trying to remember because it has been a little while, so I don't want to, like, give up. But I feel like... It's not a particularly violent film. Like, I know there's some like some abuse and stuff and people, but it's not like there's not like a big prison riot scene or anything to the best of my knowledge. And that yes. is the that is the easy way out. Like prison film, let's do a prison riot. Like let's get violent and brutal and like let's you know have the guard. But it's not like that. Like in fact, the guards are yep. friends. With, like are quite friendly with some of the inmates and stuff, which is um, they quite, yeah quite... they they go after you and they do confronting content. But the way they do it is because they go after your sense of morals and Mm. your sense of um you know um personal freedoms Mm. and like they go after those which everybody is invested in everybody's so invested in yeah being treated like a real person and so they go yeah they go after those and I love I love when a film um takes its pace um, and it's filming sort of stylistic cues from the main character. Mm. I really like when they they match. So when, like, the way the film is shot, the way that, you know, the slow pans are shot, the way that the music sort of shifts and flows and is stoic and calm sort of mimics the Andy Dufresne character. And yeah, I of course. Really, I really love that marriage and that it's deli- it has to be deliberate. Like it oh, can't of course. Like yeah, absolutely. be a choice that a director just falls to. No. Like, and I really like when it when you know it's done well and you know it works. And in this film it just does. Your yeah, the film style is their character. It's so cool. Mm. Well I remember the first time I watched it, um I would have been in my mid to late twenties. And again, height of snobbery. Like I hadn't had my turn yet, but I'm like, everything's good. And mm-hmm. I remember like, cause I just kept seeing on it. Like I just watched it almost out of like the challenge. Cause I'm like, it's on the every number one list. Like there's no way a movie is that good. And so I sat there with like my arms. Cause I'm like, all right, go on, impress me, do it. 
And like at the end, like I'm in tears. I'm like, okay, you were brilliant, and I'm sorry for ever ever doubting you. Um, like, is it the number one film of all time for me? Like, no, like it isn't. But like, it is a very enjoyable, well made film, and um, like a solid. I've been saying solid flick a lot tonight, but like it really mm-hmm. is. Like it just cements itself as a staple of that that decade, but also just like a film history. Like you, mm. like film history is less lesser for this without this movie. Like it, like it's to. It's an important mm. film, and like we've been talking about, like kind of we mentioned Morgan Freeman a lot. Like I feel like the nineties really was like his decade. He had so many great like moments in there, and has so many great performances in there. Mm. Um, and you know, I don't want to take away from um, Tim. Oh no, I know, What's his, I can't Tim Robbins. Robbins. Tim Robbins. Yeah. There we go. I don't take it from him. Like he's obviously great in as well, but it's not the folks the one. It's like it's the ensemble. And like you're right, it is an all male cast and. That's not that unusual. You do see all male cast and things from time to time, um, but especially prison films. Actually, quite often you will see. But um, the film doesn't take the easy way out. Like I mentioned before, like there's no prison right scenes. Like it'd be so easy to just kind of stereotype each character and have them just feel like a preordained cipher. Like oh, this is the tough guy. This is the the drug mule. Mm-hmm. So and so, and to give them those three D, those three dimensional stories and make them living, breathing characters. Like is just um. Mm. it's the extra step that a film like that doesn't necessarily deserve. Like, or not even deserve, but like, you don't need to do it. Like, you show me a prison film, I'm going to have a good time. Like, I know what I expect from a prison film. You hit all the right marks because it's going to work. But to take it that extra step makes it something special. Mm. Yeah. I agree with you. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, it still has the, you know, the the really mean asshole guard trope. Oh, yeah, you have to. Like, you can't make a prison film without one mean guard. You need one mean guard. Exactly. You need a violent mean, you know, guard. But I like that we we get to see a non-violent way for Andy to then, like, win against the guard. Like, mm. I like that, that he, yeah, he talks him through, what, financial advice and stuff and, like, that's mm. the way of him suddenly getting a bit more footing and, yeah, and the simplest thing of, Putting a poster up. Putting I was going to say, this is—is is this Lauren Bacall, the, the Lauren Bacall yep. poster? Yep. Raquel, is it Lauren Bacall? Raquel Welsh? No, I can't remember. Oh, maybe it's Raquel Welsh. I for some reason thought it was Lauren Bacall, but I could be wrong. Um, happy to be wrong. Never, you know. know. You could be but right. It, maybe I'm thinking Raquel just because he does rocks, and I'm like, is it Raquel? Rock? I don't know. But it is <laughs> like one of those kind of like vintage, like kind of silver, like silver age movie starlets. Like mm. it's one of those ones. Um, but, but yeah. the, the hidden, the hidden in plain sight, is such a power move. It's so good. It's so satisfying. And like, it's really like that's like to me is like one of the like because it's not a fun movie. Like, but there are like fun moments, and that's to me is like the fun, like almost like the north. Like, like let's not beat around the bush. These are people who have done horrible things. They're locked in prison. But I'm like the cheekiness of like we're going to escape using spoons. We're going to hide behind a person. I'm like this is a really fun. Like this isn't a fun movie, but this is a really fun part of it. And I'm enjoying almost the noises of like, can we get away with tunneling <laughs> out behind a poster? Like I shouldn't feel that way in a prison movie, but I do. Like um, it's um yeah, it's a, it's great. It's a really really good movie. That's another like you're, you're three for three at this stage. This is a, a strong list. I don't know if you've seen my number two. Um, it's a weird sentence, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number two is Bicentennial Man. I have seen Bicentennial yeah. Man. And what um, are your? Because it's my number two. So, like, what are you, what are your thoughts? I've seen it once. Um, 
And it was a, I mean, look, I'm not surprised this is on your list because I know your so feelings for Robin top, Williams. It's in the top of my pyramid. It's in the like, it hits so hard. I need longer between viewings. Oh, it hits so hard that I've only watched it once. Like, yeah, like I adore it, but I cannot watch it more than once a year, if that, because it just destroys me in terms of the ethics, in terms of the philosophy, in terms of the like the sci-fi concepts, in terms of just the moral like underlying so, stuff yeah so the problem i have with bicentennial man and not that it's not that it's not a problem with the film but it's too difficult for me to grasp is the same problem i have okay. with ai which is yeah. we're going to leave a robot with human intelligence and we're going to let them sit alone for a thousand years and just gather dust and they're still alive um i really struggle with long passings of time i think we talked about aliens the last time you were on and I said, mm. my problem with aliens is that she outlives her daughter in her sleep. And yeah. like that's that those kind of ideas make me really uncomfortable yeah. because I can't comprehend that. Like, mm. so the idea of outliving everyone or, you know, you're going to sleep and everyone you know is dead, but not only that, the world is different. Like, so I really, really struggle with on an emotional level because I just can't wrap my head around it. It's like, mm. you know, without taking this place in this conversation too dark a place. But I don't know if you've ever done this when you were younger, but like, I wonder what it'll be like when I'm dead. And then like trying <laughs> to like, no, 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 like you won't be able to wonder because it's nothing. Like it's pure yeah. nothingness and you can't grasp nothingness. And then you kind of feel tingly and you feel weird. And like, oh my God, I'm going to explode because this is too, too great a concept for my head. And that's what I, the issue I have with artificial intelligence. So that's why I roast yeah. Josh about it because I'm like, it's so upsetting and my brain can't handle it and that's the same with bicentennial man i've seen it once the ending destroyed me cried 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 like yeah and so i've only seen it the one time and i remember enough to look enough of it to be like yeah that's one i put in to go back to because this is a challenging film and again just the idea of like a thousand years later he's still here he's serving there's different you know like and then doesn't he spoilers for 30 of them doesn't he choose to like be disengaged or something it's like i can be turned off now um or he chooses he or he can be made. To let himself wear out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, that was a concept where I'm like, as a kid, and even now in my thirties, I'm like, who would choose that? Like, because I've never known suffering. I've never known the the. I've never known the quest for eternal peace because you know, I've had a pretty easy life. <laughs> like, well, so I want the party I, to keep going. Yeah, no, I completely. I'm completely on the same track as you in terms of like why it is so confronting to watch because it makes. It forces you to, yeah, question so many different things in terms mm. of like rights, morality, what is human, what is intelligence, inclusion. Like the way I would describe it to someone who hasn't seen it is that it's almost got like three acts. And I would say that like the beginning act where you're getting introduced so that you actually keep watching the film because the film's pretty damn long. Um, they don't want to frighten you off straight away. So the beginning is it makes you contemplate sort of the allegory of like white masters and like mm. black slaves. Like it's, you know, a, a robot in a, you know, serving a white family. Um, and so it sort of follows you along those tangents of should he have free time? Should he have a, be paid a salary and 
you know, what has given him the right to earn that, et cetera, et cetera. And then it sort of goes into the more like, well, what, you know, what is separating him from us if he can function and do all these different things? And it goes into like the side of is it creativity that spawns our like humanness you know is it at the bare basics of our human functioning it's creativity or um um, inquisitiveness because then the second act is all about him being creative being inquisitive wanting answers wanting to find more find more things etc etc and then the third act is all about acceptance and freedom and so then it's really just all about him trying to become as close to like real as as real as anybody else to be accepted um to be seen as equal etc cetera, etc cetera. and so like the complex like layers just sort of pile on and pile on and pile on and then you get hilarious you know robin williams getting jealous or not understanding humor or mm. jumping you know jumping out a window to follow a direct order or you know Galatea <laughs> the idiot perky you know other assistant robot that like you get you know little things like that along the way which are really cool and keep you like give you moments to breathe and yeah well I think the other thing is because I saw it when I was young and I only knew Robin Williams as a comedian at mm. that point so I was like, "Oh, great! This will be this this will be a fun romp with old Robin Williams delivering the last and funny and, and yeah. like it is not and it was marketed as a comedy like it was like sold as like it's the new Robin Williams comedy and I was like I'm so sad and tired and I just want to go to bed and wake yeah. up in a world where the bicentennial man does not exist because um, he's haunting me. Um, I will say this though." If you're going to make a robot look like Robin Williams, that is the way to do it. Like, that is a mm-hmm. Robin Williams-looking robot. Yep. Very uh, boxy. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It's, um, so I don't have, like, negative feelings about the film. Like, despite what I've been saying, like, I don't think it's a bad film. I just, I haven't seen it in so long, and it was just so challenging for me as a, as a kid. Like, um, mm-hmm. and clearly I have unresolved issues about, you know, outliving friends and families and like mm. or and stuff like that and be, maybe because something i've never dealt with before like i'm very lucky like i have almost everyone in my life still like so i think the concept of being like oh you're the last one and not only that not only you're the last one but the world has moved on like it's a very challenging and uncomfortable um concept yeah. yeah um but i also never heard anyone talk about bicentennial man pretty much since i watched it so i'm really glad it's on your list it and is. it's I such a it's such it. a maddie choice. <laughs> Why? Just because it's sci-fi or because it's philosophical? <laughs> not not just that, but like one thing I've noticed, like overall your lists, like you'll you'll always throw in a crowd favorite. Like you know, I have an inkling of what number one might be because it, 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 it showed up on a previous list. I'm not sure if it's going to show up or not, but I've got an inkling of what it could be. There's always a crowd favorite, but like nine times out of ten, most of your list. Stuff I haven't seen, people haven't heard of. It's obscure. It's mm-hmm. outside the box, which is great. Like, because the whole point of this movie, this podcast is like, talk to interesting, find interesting people about movies that make them happy, mm-hmm. and hopefully build your list, your watch list out at the same time. Like, I can, like, I'm always in two minds when I, when 
when I have a list where I understand all the movies because I'm like, oh, good, I can talk about these. But also I'm like, well, it's like, you know, I've seen them so I can talk about them. But when I haven't seen a movie on a list, I used to feel bad about it. I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm obviously not the film snob I thought I was. But now I'm like, oh, great. Well, now I can learn more about a movie I haven't seen. So, like, I would argue a lot of people listening probably haven't seen Bicentennial Man. Like, it felt like a huge movie at the time. Also, you know, released around the you know the new millennium for us. So it was like, oh, everything's changing. Yeah. But I have never heard anyone talk about that movie since I've seen it. Um, I can imagine a lot of people thinking it's boring um, and classing it as boring or not enjoying it. And I feel like it's pretty much because of it's slow. It's it's really quite slow because, yeah, they want to show you this dragging across generations. They want to show you this passing of time, which is, mm. like, agonisingly long. Um, and I think other people might find it really boring um, yeah, because they're not comfortable really sitting with those confronting ideas, so they just let them wash over them. And mm. so then there's not much else in there other than a little bit of a love story and, like, that's it. Yeah. Um, so I can imagine that also being, yeah, a driving factor for its popularity. <laughs> it, um, it is, yeah. I, um, I should I should rewatch it. Like, I should put on the watch. The problem I have is I'm like, I know how sad it made me last time, and yeah. I, I Not don't as know. Not bad as Schindler's List, but pretty sad. <laughs> no, but like Schindler's List is a different kind of sad. Like Schindler's List is an exhausting sad because at a certain point, you're like, like how much more suffering can one endure? Like, yeah. Um, and even though, like, clearly, I have no understanding of what that was like. I can't even approximate like a modern version of it because I've never been in war. I've never been persecuted. Again, pretty mm. lucky, pretty easy life. But like because the idea of Bicentennial Man is so obscure and like it's a fantasy. Like it's not mm. a good fantasy, but it's a fantasy. And we talked about this before we started recording. Like I got my head in the clouds. Like I can sit with that idea and run with it and then scare myself pretty quickly. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go back to the monster that is the Bicentennial Man. Like, he's haunting my dreams and destroying the world. Uh, But um, but on your your recommendation, maybe I will go back to it. I feel like it's one of the ones, yeah, like in terms of the it hits really hard on the top of my pyramid, it's up there with Patch Adams, which is another one where you get moments of Robin Williams doing his like comedy, but you Dark get movie. just like you get really, really grabbed by the scruff and dragged into some horrific things. And like Stepmom, The Truman Show, My Girl, like Oof. they either have some really deep traumatic stuff that makes you consider your morality. Or they have some really heavy, like, ethical things that really make you upset and really, yeah. And so the top of my pyramid is all those sorts of films. And all of them are in the 90s. I was going to say, like, Robin Williams, when he wasn't doing comedy, he was really just trying to upset you as much as possible because you can add Jack to that. Like, Jack is a really confronting, upsetting movie. Um, one hour photo, like is a re- like it's a horror film, but it is a sad horror film. Mm. Um, uh, I haven't seen Insomnia, uh, which I, I think is a, a Chris, is it Chris Nolan? Did Chris Nolan do Insomnia? I think he did it. And um, oh it's God. and it's a um, Robin Williams like thriller 
and uh, and Death to Smoochie, which I actually really enjoyed, but that's a dark film as well. When he's not making your life, boy, is he scaring you um, and making <laughs> your life difficult. Um, but um, I'll go back to it. Like, I am... I think I am brave enough now to revisit the torture that was Bison Dead. And again, not a bad movie. Like it's people are going to be like, "Oh my god!" Like it must be awful. He hates it. No, no, no. Like it is a well-made movie. Like brilliant performances. Sam Neill. Now I know why you like it because Sam Neill's in it. But um, it's just a very confronting film, and like was marketed as like a comedy. Was but marketed as a sense. marketed like- as a fa- film for the family. Like you, like do not show a child bicentennial, man. Like, no. Like, I was talking before about like kind of wading treacherous waters with Zoe. I'm not going to show her bicentennial man until she's like 50 years old. Like, I just want to have a happy. I'm going to recommend they go and watch it. It's going to be like, oh well, I like this, and you can watch it if you like. But I'm not going to be like, hey, come and sit down with me and watch this. Yeah, do you want to be sad? Like, oh, I'm going to make you so sad. Like, and not satisfyingly sad where at the end you're like, you know, it was good to have a good cry and now I feel better. Like, this will make you pensive. Like, you will be, like, mm. you will feel an overwhelming sense of dread. Um, basically, it's, <laughs> it's the robot comedy version of Hereditary. Um, it will exhaust you. It is bleak. Um, but I may have to go back to it because as I'm talking about it, I'm making myself laugh about it. I'm like, well, maybe I do need to go back to the, the Bicentennial Man and see if he's still got some fight in him. Um unexpected choice but a very mad choice and i think a very worthy film on your list um just because you don't need to watch a film regularly doesn't make it a a, you know, a bad film because there are no bad movies um all right number one i have an inkling and i like i don't want to do a thunder but i feel like i need to take a, a, a stab and see if you've done 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 what i think you've done or whether you've gone a different direction well i've done a slash because JP's got to be on there. Well, I've already spoken. What? JP, Jurassic Park. Yeah. So I've already spoken. It's Contact or it's actually The Lost World. Interesting. We talked, we we brushed on Lost World last time. Mm. Uh, I have watched all the Jurassic movies I hadn't seen since we last recorded. So the Yay, last time that's right. You watched the latest one recently. The last time we spoke on the podcast about the Jurassic Park series, I'd seen Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and Jurassic World. I've now seen Jurassic Park 3. In fact, you came over to my house the day after I watched Jurassic Park 3. Um, well, I think I was halfway through it. And you're like, what do you think? I'm like, you know what? Like, the CG has aged quite a bit, but I'm trying to give it a go. But, like, we talked about how, like, the introduction of CGI into the Jurassic Park franchise um, l- like is noticeable like and it limits the yeah. films because like they're less tangible um but i watched all the jurassic world films i um still love number one fallen kingdom i enjoy more what it sets up than the film itself like it's not a bad film um it opens strong i think it opens it's really the strong of my list out of all of them that one's at the bottom i think it opens like it's well, it's two different films that's the other thing like because the first film which is on the island I really dig. And I don't dislike the whole auction thing either. I think it's a good idea, but it's like too much for one movie. But I do like the setup of like, now there's dinosaurs in the in the, mm. in the world. I saw Dominion. You said Dominion's good. And I do yeah. think Dominion's a good film, but I have issues with Dominion. My first thing is you've got all of And we will get to your number one because we haven't actually <laughs> said what it was yet. But Dominion, my, I had a couple of issues. One, it's like, oh, 
we finally got the old cast and the new cast in the film together. Let's wait two hours before we put them together. Like that was my first problem. My second problem with it, and again, I like it. I think it's a good movie. But these are just like observations I had. The other one, I was like, well, it's the final chapter. We don't know if we're going to do another film, so we're going to finish up strong. We're going to do something really different with someone. Actually, we're going to go back to another island. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm sitting there. Like the opening is really cool. You see dinosaurs in the wild. Like Chris Pratt's in. You know, he's like a hunter or like he's like a protector and he's in like a small village. Like this is great. I'm like, there's no way they're going back to an island in this one. Oh, Jeff Goldblum's on an island. Okay, never mind. Yeah, he's on a real creepy, like, culty island. I liked that. I liked the culty feel of it. And I did like a lot of it. I don't think it's a bad film. Like, I just, I was just like, oh, we could could have gone different. But like, no, 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 six for six. We're doing islands in every single movie. Like, this is the... This is the formula. I um, agree with you, though, that, like, yeah. And then there was a weird little sort of Indiana Jones bit in the centre. Like, oh, when they like, go through oh, the tunnels in the dark? The tunnels, or we're flying a plane, and you're sort of like... <laughs> oh, that was when they were like, we need to save some money on all these dinosaurs. Let's put them in a tunnel with no lights for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm being really mean this episode. This is the meanest I've been about films. <laughs> um, you're being sassy. <laughs> I am. I did. I did like it. So Jurassic Park: The Lost World is is your number one slash contact. Yeah. But you talked about contact before. Yeah, so I talked about contact before. So I was like, well, yeah. Um, forever and ever, I will love, of course, Jurassic Park, the first one. But The Lost World, in terms of like enjoyable, um, yeah, like enjoyable film to watch as a family film like with like all my with my parents and my siblings etc lost world was more in the rotation than um than the first film than jurassic park and i really um i really loved being on what is it is it isla sauna isla nubla i forget which is the other island i liked the second island i loved a forest i'm a girl who Mm. likes getting out of nature i love big giant redwoods i love ferns i love creeks i love forests so it was really pretty to look at and then having the dinosaurs in there was like a bonus um yeah goldblum's character was just fun and yeah exactly what you wanted just more of his character to do um vince vaughn was like actually trying <laughs> oh vince vaughn's had a resurgence like vince vaughn yeah. he's the last couple of years he has put out quality and i know we're going to go on another tangent now <laughs> buckle up kids we're going on a tangent um mm-hmm. vince vaughn is someone i loved as a teenager like he was doing all the comedies i wanted to see he did you know dodgeball um wedding crashes all those like, that was exactly my jam um old school old school was really fun and then, like, it became cool to hate on Vince Vaughn, I think, for a while. Um, and he's probably putting in some films that, you know, maybe were lower tier, like, you know, weren't kind of the, the hits that he'd put out previously. But um, in the last couple of years, he's done some really interesting stuff. Like, he's done some really serious work. So he did Hacksaw Ridge. Um, mm. He did um, Brawl in Cell Block 99, which is a tough movie. Like, it is a... like. Talk about like a violent prison film, like oh my goodness, like, um, and it wasn't even the violence that got to me. Like there is a subplot which I am not going to tell you. It is no, that no. upsetting. <laughs> okay. Like 
basically, well, all, all I'll say is that, like, basically, he's been, like, forced into prison and he has to go kill someone. Otherwise, the people who put him in there are going to do something nasty to someone he loves. And when I heard what they were going to do, I was, like, wanted to throw up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it was, like, it's, it's, I kind of, I, I told Tina, I, was, like, I didn't tell her what it was. I, was like, I watched this movie last night. There's this, the thing in it, they don't even show you, which they just say this is what they're going to do. It's so upsetting. I wanted to throw up. And she's like, oh, what is it? I'm like, I can't tell you. No, That's just, it's true. Yeah, it would be traumatic to hear it secondhand even. And yeah. like, I'll be honest, I'll tell you this, like without saying the film, you will never guess. Like, I was like, who came up with this? Like, it's nothing sexual. Like, it's what not even violent. Would still, yeah. I was just like, it's. I'll be honest, it is the most creative punishment I've ever heard of in my life. It's so messed up. But Vince Vaughn's brilliant in it. He did Dragged Across Concrete, which was another like a br- brutal cop film by the same guy who did um, Brawl in Cell Block 99. And then my favorite Vince Vaughn of the last few years uh, was a movie called Freaky, which I don't know if you've seen. Um, so it's a mm-hmm. horror film. It's a horror comedy. And basically it's him and Catherine Newton, um, who was in Blockers. She's in the new Ant-Man film. And the concept is it's Freaky Friday, except a teenage girl swaps bodies with a serial killer. Um, uh. And it's so much fun. Like, I was going to say, that sounds like problems for the two of them. Oh it's goodness. so fun because you've got Vince Vaughn who has to behave like a teenage girl and you've got Catherine Newton who has to act like a savage, like brutal murderer. Um, it's kind of <laughs> like the hot chick, but then like with like murder involved. It's great. It's, it's a really fun film. Um, so Vince Vaughn's, all I'm saying is, He's doing all right. He's he's made some good. He's making some interesting choices. Mm. Um, all right, tangent but over. Like, but I remember rewatching. I remember rewatching the Lost World like a fair few times. And mm. so I think the time period where we were rewatching it, or it was on TV, or we had it on, you know, VHS taped off the TV, was when he was doing those sort of comedy, like not trying very hard roles. So it was weird to be like, oh my god, he's actually he can do stuff. He's good. So what mm. the hell is he doing at the moment? Like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know which movie you're referring. Like, is there a particular movie where, like, ah, oh, Vince Vaughn, what are you doing? Like, is there a particular like? I don't. I think of like, I think of Dodgeball or The Breakup or. I haven't said one, The Breakup. Yeah. Just ones where he. Four Holidays. That's it. Yeah, I think he was in. He was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith as a like a small role, but like. Oh, okay. Just even just the the delivery or the type of dialogue that he gets for some of those characters. Well, to be fair, like you, yeah. I, I think I might know what it is. Before you talked about how you, you struggle with sarcasm, like he's nothing if not sarcastic. Like maybe, Probably. maybe you're like you're watching these comedies. And you're like, are these jokes? Like I don't understand. But he also talks really fast, and yeah. he, he has the same facial expression when he does the fast talking and the delivery of the like, "What are you doing?" Blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, I never quite was. I was like, slow down or like make a different facial expression. Or I do yeah. like Dodgeball. Young young Justin Long is always, like, I mean, any Justin Long is a win, but young Justin Long is adorable. Like, he's so good. <laughs> so fresh uh, All right. We will now resume the discussion of Lost World once again. <laughs> Back on it. it um, well, it has my favorite ending, I think, of, and I, it's been a long time since I've watched this one as well, but I think my favorite ending of all the Jurassic films, and that's, they did King Kong. Like we were yes. talking about it before, like yep. T-Rex in the city. Like I know people scoff at it. Like a lot of people don't like the movie when it goes that direction. But like I thought it was good. That's they, what I want. Like that's what yeah. I want. Like And they didn't make him like knock over a Statue of Liberty. They didn't make him blow up anything stupid. Like they did like this poor giant 
big footed like dinosaurs in the city. Like, what the fuck do I do? Like, mm. they made him a fish out of water too. It was cool. Mm. Or her. Hang on. Wait, no. Yeah, she's her. Yeah. Dog. But yeah, they made like, yeah, they made her interact with the city in a good way, not just some like over flashy, you know, and can you, you could just imagine the horrendous, you know, promos of a dinosaur stomping through the city and blowing something up. But instead they do the, like, you know, the giant um, ball, I think, that's sitting on top of a petrol station rolling away down the street mm. or, you know, like, oh, I think the boat, um, I love the scene with the boat where they're standing there and it's all misty and then the boat comes out of the fog and just crashes into the dock. Mm. He's sort of like, is it going to be a dinosaur? Like, is it, is it going to be the boat? Like, how fast is the boat going to come? And it just comes like at you. And I mm. thought that was really cool. And I think the boat's got the same name as the boat from King Kong. Oh, does it? I mean, yeah, like, that, I that, you're, that you're testing the, my my trivia there as well. I really don't know. I think I think so. I think that was a deliberate choice where they deliberately named the boat the same so that when King Kong comes to New York, the, the boat is the same. So, mm. yeah. So that was kind of cool. And, yeah, I liked that transition. I liked the jumping over into the world because then it makes you entertain. Imagine if the others were there and it was before we did all that other stuff. So you think of, like, what if the Stegosaurus got there or what if the Pterodactyl got there? And And, and that's what I wanted from Dominion. I was like, give mm. me that, like, and that's why, and that's why I'm like, oh, another island. Like, I don't mind it, but like, yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the formula. But I, like, the best part of that movie for me was when you saw them in the wild, like when you saw like the um, pterodons. I think that's a dinosaur. I'll have to defer to you. You're the expert, but like the flying pterodactyls and mm. stuff, like going over like skyscrapers and stuff, like we're flying across the coast. Like that was all. The, um, do you remember that promo short film of, at the campground that they did? No. So before they released, you know, that first section of Dominion where you just had the beautiful foley and the animals around the Grand Canyon and whatever, about a year before that they released a short film where there's people around in a like a caravan, like a campground, um, and they're just all behaving normally, whatever, and then dinosaurs like come through the campground and stuff. It's a, I'll send you the link. It's a really, really good like promo-y short film and I wanted them to roll with that like that's Mm. what I wanted them to roll with same I wanted to see like yeah what was it like people in you know their mobile homes now who'd moved out of the cities because they were too dangerous or you know people had to move to colder climates because the dinosaurs don't like colder climates they like warmer climates so that's how they were safer and how were they surviving that way and how had society managed to yeah, either coexist or adapt or, yeah, I was so interested in them taking that route rather than taking the one that they sort of did, even though I didn't mind it. But Oh, I'm, yeah, like it's, like it's not, again, like really it's not a bad film. I was really hungry for, yeah, I was really hungry for, it's almost like, um, you know, The Walking Dead but with dinosaurs. Yeah, like that's that's what I want. Like I've made that's the joke I before. I made the joke before, and I think I've told you this before. I'm like, if they're doing another one, like the next tip is Mad Max with dinosaurs. Yes. Like, just go, like, do that. Like, you've I already see got them riding a Parasaurolophus. I want to see them saddle them up and riding them. Yeah, I want to see them using 
and then Kyla saw to pull a water cart and yeah, do and some farming. I mean, you're like, dropping some serious, like, scientific terms here. <laughs> like, you know, you'll know them when you see them. They're the pretty basic ones. I want to see, like, I want your villains wearing, like, dinosaur hides, jackets and stuff. Like, they even, and they're, like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. like, dinosaur, Even like, jewelry. claws and teeth through their helmets. Um, I want to see, like, velociraptors riding motorcycles. I want to see, like... Yeah, you want to see the, you know, the the small colony that lives in the caves and they're, you know, after-school activities watching two dinosaurs fight to the death in a pit somewhere and, you know, yeah. I want to see the, yeah, big, like, rack of, the big rack of a, a dinosaur's hind leg on a spit. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Um, did you watch Game of Thrones? Were you a Game of Thrones person? Yeah. yeah. So do you remember like the episode where they debut Brienne of Tarth and she has to fight the bear? Like In that's the pit. Oh like, my god! That like that's awesome. what I like. I want the human versus dinosaur fighting pits and stuff like that. <laughs> or yeah. like a, a post-apocalyptic coliseum where like you know innocents have been abducted and this that you know. They have to fight dinosaurs for like the entertainment of like the overlords and stuff like that. I do like that idea actually of the Mad Max way. I'm thinking of yeah, I'm thinking more of the Walking Dead way of the world's like yeah. I mean, like I think they both work. You can, I think you can do both. Like um, because Walking Dead, you'd, you'd start with the Walking Dead timeline and it would end up heading and ending up in the Mad Max territory. And then like what you find out is it's just an origin for Super Mario Brothers. Like uh-huh. it's <laughs> that's your it's got Chris Pratt in it already, so it all links. He just suddenly got an Italian accent. Uh, that's uh I I um I love that you went the un- like not unconventional, but you would have been so easy to be like, hey Jurassic Park Contact, I've talked about him before. I'm putting him back on again. But to go with Lost World, which I do think is an underrated sequel. Like, um, it's one I haven't watched in a little while. But, like, that ending, like, to me, is the strongest ending of the three. Like, mm. bring it, like, it, like, it does what Dominion probably should have done. Like, it's like, let's get a dinosaur in the real world. Like, let's mix it up. Like, um, and arguably, like, executed better than that 90s Godzilla film. I don't dislike that Godzilla. Like, I know it's, that's one that people like to crap on and, like, give give mm-hmm. a hard time. But, like, it is what it is. Uh, but I, I think, you know, T- T-Rex in, in New York is a, is a winning combination. But it's good. It, like, it builds, it builds off some of the original highlights from the first film. Like, in the first film... When the kids are stuck in the car and the T-Rex is going at the car, they just they do it again, but they do it a bit bigger. It's a mm. trailer and it's two T-Rexes instead of one. Like they go a bit bigger and harder and, um, you know, like an engine um, get their asses handed to them. It's good. It's watching the people who were so arrogant and thought they could control everything get, mm. like, fucked up and then they have to team up with the people who know better to get out of the problem. Like they have to go and trek across the rest of the island with their tail between their legs or mm. like the raptors in the first one in the kitchen and stuff are so terrifying. So then they're like, cool, well, let's make it nighttime and long grass and just watch them like swarm you in the long grass. Like That I like long that grass scene in. is oh, like, when I was chill. a kid, like terrifying, Yeah, like terrifying. Um, we talked about this, I think, on your first episode when you talked about the original Jurassic Park. But one of my favorite moments in the film is when the guy gets the snake on him 
And so he's like, oh my God, this like as if like of all the things you have to worry about on this island, like a snake. And he backs <laughs> out and then gets torn apart by two T-Rexes. Um, like it's a, like that's cinema gold right there. Yeah. It's so great. Um, yeah. I, uh, I really like your list. There's, with the exception of Fifth Element, nothing has been talked about before on the show ever. Um, oh, which wow. you, would, you would think that Shawshank would have come up before, but it hasn't. That's um, weird. Okay. I, um, but no, I really like your list. I like your save, save these movies from destruction list, and I really mm. like your nineties list as well. And I'll be honest, with the exception of Shawshank, I don't think well, actually Fifth Element might come up again. But I don't think Mayday is going to come up again. Like it's a pretty eclectic list, which I, I really like. Um, which means we are now at the rapid fire round. Um, <laughs> every every time we do a new topic, there's a new rapid fire. I'll be honest. This one was hard work because I, as I as I get to bring in new topics, I have to come up with more questions. But it kind of worked last time, so we'll see how we go. I've come up with three questions for you as well. Oh, okay. Well, interrupt me and ask me some myself. questions. I, I love yeah, it. Like they... this is why I like you as a guest because uh, you know what? I'll be honest. Outside of the podcast, I don't mind you either. You're all right. But I like <laughs> that you come prepared, and I like that you flip the switch on it. Ask me, ask me your questions three. Yes. Do you want me to go first, or do you need? Yeah, to go, go for it. First? Okay, so question number one is you have to swap the protagonists around into their corresponding films and you have to tell me why. So it could be just because you want to see them in that storyline. It could be that you think they fit. It could be that you think they don't fit, whatever. But I want you to swap them around. So you've got Ripley from Alien 4. So you've got Clone Resurrection. Yeah. The film I've probably seen the least, but that's okay. Well, but you've got Clone Ripley, so she's not all there. Um, You've got Corbin Dallas from The Fifth Element, Mm. and you've got Neo from The Matrix. So I want you to switch them and put them in the different different films. So where are you going to put them? Mm, Interesting. I'm trying to – Resurrection, that's not the prison ship. That's the third one, isn't it? That's the third one. That's the one that no one watches because it's stupid. <laughs> That's David Finch's first film. Um, he went on to do so many wonderful things. He, there's a lot of he studio did. interference. Give me a br- we'll just say it was a learning curve. No, there's a lot of studio curve. interference. Like It wasn't his final cut. There were a couple of things there. What? Um, re- just remind me of the plot of Resurrection because it's been a minute. Um, so Resurrection is, um, oh, my God, Winona Ryder's character is an AI and she's been sent to make sure that we completely get rid of all the xenomorph species forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever because they're starting to try and weaponize and militarize them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've already cloned Ripley. They've pulled the queen out of her. Um, they were going to dispose of her, but they thought, screw it, let's just see what she does. And then it turns out that she's kind of a hybrid between the mm, two. And that's right. Abilities. Um, and so then, yeah, the crew comes onto the – it's still a military – driven sort of sector um so it's all about still trying to wipe out everyone but queenie's there and queenie's popping out babies and okay all right neo has to go into resurrection because corbin Mm -hmm. dallas ain't doing anything like he's just human he can't take down the xenomorph he can't do it um i love i love um bruce wills but he can't do it so it's got to be neo you can, ne- leave them, you can leave some where you think where you want to leave them. Because there's only no, three, we'll, so I think no, we'll, we'll do a full spot. We'll do a full spot. It's cool. We'll okay. move them all around. So Neo goes into Alien Resur- Resurrection because even though he doesn't have full access to powers outside the Matrix yet, 
he does get it, which means he's equipped to take down the xenomorphs. He can do that. Okay. So you um, put him in there because he could handle it. Yeah. He could handle it. That means Corbin goes into the Matrix, mm-hmm. which I think he would have a. Re- I, I'd love to. I think just as a intercharacter dynamic, I think he'd play off everyone really well. Like he basically could be part of the Nebuchadnezzar crew as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he seems, he seems rough as guts enough. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see him interact with Cipher in particular. I think there'd be some really good like um, some sass between those two. And um, I also, obviously, with the Matrix, if you plug in, you can download things. So now he is equipped to, to do that sort of thing. But does he become the savior of mankind? I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't feel know. Like, yeah, I feel like he wouldn't be falling into the savior role. I feel like he would be more, yeah, just No, but out. he could be this. I think that, like, I think it's the best fit for him, which means we put we put Ripley into Fifth Element. Yeah, she can handle herself. Like, she can handle herself. Um she is, I think, a great companion for Lilu. Like, you take she'd it all. Be, yeah, she'd be very like mentory, but maternal, like, grumpy, grumpy mentor. Like, just like yeah. yeah. Um, and she's no nonsense. Like, I like, yeah. I, I think she's the right fit there. Like, Corbin kind of like blunders his way through that movie a little bit. <laughs> Uh, whereas, whereas he improvises, Ripley, yeah, he's an yeah. improv man. Whereas Ripley's not leaving anything up to chance. Um, so those are my swaps. Um, cool. There you go. There you go. Um, I think I, that would have done really similar. Yeah. I had to, and I take you know I take question seriously. Like you do hard hitting questions, you ask questions I don't always know the answer to, but I take them seriously. Good. Uh, um, question number two then is. Just talking about taking things seriously. Mm. Um, question number two is: Who would you choose for your imaginary friend from this list? <laughs> and this is like as you are now, not like as a kid. Like tomorrow, you turn up to my house. We're hanging out, but you you've got this imaginary friend that's just like in the back of your brain. Can I you. see them? Is it like Drop Dead Fred, or no one can see them? Like so, I- one of them is Drop Dead Fred. One of them is Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Mm. One of them is Kay from Men in Black. Oh, and that's a good choice. Mushu from Mulan, or the one who I would just straight up choose because it's me, um, Qui Gon Jinn from Star Wars. Interesting. So just, yeah, Drop Dead Fred, Tyler Durden, Kay, Mushu, Qui Gon. Definitely not years. definitely not Tyler Durden. Like that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. That's not happening. Like, yeah, no one had fun in that movie. <laughs> uh that, that that's not that's not what I had to shoot derail my, your whole life. I yeah. have to shoot myself in the neck just to get rid of him. So that's not happening. Um I'm not going drop dead Fred either. Like things worked out in the end, but that's too that's too manic. It's like having okay. two toddlers around. Oh uh, my goodness. Like not. it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> so that brings us down to K. It brings us K. down to Mushu and we have to Qui-Gon. And Qui-Gon. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, like the only reason I would want K is just because of the way Tommy Lee Jones speaks. <laughs> like I just I just like but if it's imaginary, it's so I'm not calm. You'd have a you'd have a really calm imaginary friend around you all the time. I think I'm going Mushu. I mm. think that's where I'm going. Mushu, like, first of all, like, he's fun. Like, he's an underachiever. Like, he's, you know, he's he's an underdog. 
Um, he's probably going to sing me a song at some point. He's going to crack some jokes. He's going to be. He's yeah. he's my corner man. Like if yeah. I need like a bit of a, a boost, he'll. I think I'm going Mushu. Like and also like. I mean, look. If I'm coming over to your house tomorrow, we're having a chat, and then I just have a separate conversation with an invisible being. None <laughs> of them are good. But at least Mushu will make me feel better about myself after I've been kicked out for being too weird. Um, so I'm going Mushu. Mushu's your imaginary friend. Okay. Okay. Good one. Qui-Gon, yeah. Qui-Gon Jin is mine for sure. I don't need like, I don't need sage-like advice. And that's not because I know everything. I don't need that calming presence. Like I'm at a point now in my life where I'm like, I don't really get frazzled by things too much, and I apologize for using the word frazzled, but I don't really get like kind of shaken off kilter too much. I can kind of handle things. But you know what I need sometimes is a laugh or just someone to remind me I'm doing okay. So I think Mushu is my guy. Like oh, Qui-Gon's too philosophical. It's like, well, what will be but will Qui-Gon, be. And Qui-Gon's also a rule breaker. You have to remember that. He mm. also is not blindly following the faith of mm. Star Wars. He's a, he's a bit of a rule breaker. And so... Sometimes you need someone in your ear who's going, this is mm. what everyone's telling you and this is, yes, the wisest thing, but... Yeah, but Moosh is a rule breaker as well. And I get sure. I get all the benefits of having an animated cartoon sidekick, an animated, mm. an animated animal sidekick, so I'm going there. Well done. So. All right, last question. Last question. Last question. It's hard to frame it, so I don't know if I phrased it properly. But, That's okay. Um, pretty much it's who would you team up with? Mm. Um in a natural disaster. So you okay. get you get someone who just you stumble across and you're like, yeah, I'm going to follow and stick close to them because they know what they're doing. You're my ticket to survival through this. Pretty much. But then I realised once I made this list, I'm like, but it depends on the disaster. Mm. So I didn't really specify what the disaster is, which might change the way you think about it, but I'm kind of interested to see which way you go anyways. Mm. So you've got um, Jack Dawson from Titanic. Well, nothing to do with water. Like, clearly that's not working out. Hey, he he pulled Rose through. He, like, he doesn't have to survive. It's who we That's true. With. That's so right. you know an excellent point. Yeah, so you know what? You would survive. Um, so you've got Jack Dawson. Yeah, but, like, I, have, I, I saw that car scene. What do I have to do to survive? Like, well, what if it's not anything to do with water? What if it's you want to stick, to, stick with Jack Dawson during a earthquake? Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. I look, I look. I I dig the premise. I'm just. I'm. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Look, I, there are there are concessions I'll have to make to survive with Jack Dawson. He wants me to dance on my toes. He wants to get steamy in a car. I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Um, but that's okay. We'll keep going through the list. You mean you're not comfortable with him drawing you nude? I mean, if he's comfortable with drawing me nude, I'm concerned because no one wants that. That's. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Okay. Um, all right, so you've got Jack Dawson, you've got Frank Farmer, who's Kevin Costner from The Bodyguard. Okay. So he's literally like a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got uh, the T-800 from Terminator 2, Arnie. Okay. So, like, if it's water world and the water, like, the world's flooding, the T-800's no fucking good to you. So, like, Honestly. I, I wrote this question and I was like, damn it, this doesn't really help. He's much. not really much use in any situation um, unless the natural disaster is diehard, uh, <laughs> which is not a natural disaster at all. Um, <laughs> like, he doesn't have wings. He can't fly me out of anywhere. He can't turn into a boat. He's useless um, unless I need to shoot out of the way. But he did protect a really annoying kid. 
um, which doesn't really put him in my favor either. Um, I haven't seen the bodyguard, so other than knowing he is a bodyguard, I don't have like only one of them's really endured a natural disaster, and that's and that's Jack Dawson, um, mm. which is not the choice I wanted to make today. Um, well, let's let's throw in some 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 scenarios. A twister, which we don't really get here in, very often in Australia, certainly not where I live. I don't know how any of the – the only thing I can think is the T-800 is pretty heavy. Like maybe I can hold on to him or he can hold me down. Or he can get... punch his way into a locked bunker to get yeah. you on the ground. Like he's, yeah. the, he's the strongest in the, in the twister thing. Or like, you know, he could literally just like maybe lie on top of me and his weight will keep me from flying up. But that's – no. <laughs> like J- Jack Dawson can't do much for me in a twister and neither can the, the bodyguard himself. Um, Iceberg – well, one's got proven experience. And uh, you know what? I would move over on the door for him. I'd make sure we can both fit, fit in there. It's not a door. People always say it's a door. It's not a bloody door. No, I, I know. Like, it's just, it's just the, the vernacular that we have for the scenario. True. But Everyone right. says door, and then we it's, all know what we're it's like, a, it's like a panel or something. It's a panel, yeah. Yeah. Um, panel. Volcano, T-800 ain't helping me. Like, I saw what happened to him at the end of that movie. Like, heat is his enemy. Um, but he'll give me a, a good old thumbs up before he goes. Um, is it thumbs? Does he give thumbs up or does he do the AOK symbol? He has a thumbs up, doesn't he? Thumbs up. Thumbs with the glove on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Jack or the bodyguard are really helping me there either. Um, these guys are all kind of rubbish, to be honest. Didn't want to make it easy. No. Otherwise, I could have thrown you've, in. Like, you've given me yeah. the Kobayashi Maru, which there's no winnable circumstance. No. I could have thrown in some really obvious, easy ones, and I didn't want to do that. Tidal Wave. Tidal Wave, I'm going bodyguard because he can carry me. Like, I've seen that poster. He carries people. Um, T100. So my, my answer is Frank Farmer. I'd go Frank Farmer from the bodyguard pretty much because, like, I feel like I would be okay at surviving the initial – Mm. whatever whatever disaster but then afterwards you have to deal with people yeah people. that's a really good really good point and like yeah like i'm thinking too much about the disaster itself mm. um and not the aftermath i mean in the aftermath uh, then i have to go t800 because no one's like he he's like he's gonna be out well you know I, have, I think I have to go T-800. Like, if, if, okay. if it's for solely for the aftermath of the disaster's fine. We got through it. We made it. Mm. And, uh, because you said we meet up following the disaster. So I've misinterpreted yeah. the question as well. So I've made it through. I'm pretty good at what I do. I got through the, the disaster on my own. I'm not even questioning if I need a sidekick at this point. But I guess if I've gotten through the disaster, I need someone to protect me. I'm going T-800 um, unless there's, like, lava, in which case I'm going Frank Farmer. Um, yeah. because T-800 ain't surviving that heat. And that's that's done. I'm locking it in, final answer. Well done. Definitely the most, my three. Definitely the most challenging of the questions because mm-hmm. it was so so unusual. I uh, but I, um, I really, really dug it. Um, all right, time to turn the old microscope the other way yeah. and uh, ask you the 90s rapid fire. And this is the last part of the episode, but you've, like, you've survived this before. You're going to get through it, I'm sure. Um, this is a really unfair question, Maddie. What '90s film has the best movie poster? Oh my god, the best movie poster! I'm trying to even think of some of them in my head. Like, 
Yeah, I, I just keep thinking of the Jurassic Park symbol all the time. Like, I mean, it's a good poster. I mean, it's just iconic forever and ever and ever. But, oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think of, like, oh, man. Oh, do you know what? I really do like the Star Wars posters. So Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace one where it's um, Anakin and the Shadow of Vader. Is that the one you're talking about? Where he's like walking? Oh, and no, the normal, the normal one where it's got all the faces of all the cast and the. They're you know, good the posters. They're good I posters. Just, I just love them. I love the grouping. I love the the color, the color treatment <laughs> of them all. The stylized sort of, yeah. No, I like. I love, I'll take I that. Love. That's a good poster. And also, like we didn't we didn't talk about it on this episode, but Phantom Menace, like, not a horrible movie by any stretch of the imagination. Like, it's really quite good. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are unfair. Like, yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I understand the Jar Jar thing, but like, he's just a small part of a much larger film. And there's a, like, it's a lot exactly. going on in the movie. You can't write it off just because Jar Jar's irritating as all hell. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, there were no irritating characters in the first three Star Wars films, were there? They were, <laughs> you know, everyone loved C3PO. And I'm just saying, like, there are a couple of, you know, challenging characters in that movie as well. Um, I like your answer. Which 90s actor or actress is due for a comeback? So we've already seen Brendan Fraser make his comeback. Who have we mm. seen in a little while? Who was big in the 90s who, who needs a comeback? I don't know. I'm trying to think, do I want to see more from Pierce Brosnan? Ooh, he's I kind of getting a bit of a resurgence. He's coming back yeah. a bit. Like, I'm still seeing heaps from Kevin Costner. I love Kevin Costner. I love Tom Hanks. Um, oh, Tom Hanks never went away. He's been exactly, he like, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of, like, mm. who went away that I haven't seen in, in a little bit. Um, mm, no. Um, we haven't seen much. Well, I mean, I haven't seen much from Jim Carrey. He's sort of Yeah, he's done a he's couple of things. Other avenues, yeah. Um and Winona Ryder didn't go anywhere. She's back and I'm loving I'm loving that she's just doing more projects. Stranger she things, man. Yeah. Like yeah, she didn't go anywhere. Um Chosen. Um Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I and I don't, I, I don't know if like I don't know whether he, like because he's big in the eighties as well, but definitely nineties. Um, I um I agree. Give but me more, Michael, more. Give yeah. me more Michael J. Like give absolutely. Me more Michael J. Fox. Yeah, absolutely. I like that a lot. Like that's yeah. a, that's a good pick. And um, yeah. I read this morning. I was very excited. Is that um they're doing a new um. I know we did last summer film, and we're getting Freddie Prince Jr. back. Look, he's someone I'm, I'm happy to see again. Ah, he's kind of been nice. a bit. Quiet. He's been a bit quiet lately. I'm glad to have yeah. him back. He did the stay-at-home dad thing. I think mm. he does a lot of voice work, but um, to see him on screening, and I was very excited. My other pick, um, I touched on it before, but Rachel E. Cook. Like, give me more of her. Like, she's been doing stuff, but give me, like, give me, give me get her on. Yeah, yeah. Give me, bring her back. Um, I like your answer though. That's really good. Um. Mm. Alrighty, which '90s movie could be best improved by the technology of the day of today? So, in the '90s, good film, CG doesn't quite hold up, but if we brought it back today, 
that would be the best improved one. Are we talking CGI upgrade? Are we talking like doesn't music? just ha- doesn't have to be just the just the need? just the technologies. So like it can be CG, it can be sound, it can be camera work. What you know? What Costume. we obviously mm, okay. Um, I mean the CG in toy the first Toy Story when you watch back you're like oh this is clunky. Mm-hmm. So like. I mean, they could remaster that, but um... I was just trying to see if The Mummy Returns was a '90s film, but it's not because The Mummy Returns has some interesting CGI. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put it that. Um... Oh, and see, like I love, I love the practical effects in Small Soldiers. So I wouldn't want to see. What a movie! Like that. that's a movie that. I never hear anyone talk about. But oh. that is a, such oh. a wonderful little movie. Yeah, that is fun. It's so fun, and that was one of the ones that like, like Small Soldiers or um, Hocus Pocus. If they were on TV, yeah, my brother mm. and I loved Small Soldiers. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't want them to CGI that. I like no. It doesn't even need to be CGI. They can just tidy it up a little bit. Or, you know, the, the CGI, when mm-hmm. used well, enhances. It doesn't have to be all CGI. Nah. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm reading my list. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, like, maybe the first Jumanji. Yeah, that's a good call. I like that. Monkeys in the kitchen, uh, and they're just sort of there. They're just a bit too unnatural that they just seem a bit silly. I like Um, that. And the lion doesn't quite work in some scenes. So yeah, yeah, as as long as the as long as the little boy has his realistic like monkey makeup still, like keep that, go practical that. No, I like that. That's a good call. Because um, like that mo- the pelican, I think a pel- the pelican comes and steals the board game. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just yeah. Let's mm. just upgrade Jumanji. Nice one. Yeah. Um, and then your last question. Um, it's very popular now to do a sequel series to a movie. So which '90s film is aching for a, a mini series sequel or a TV series sequel? Oh, so we're talking like a six episode. Yeah, six. Yeah. Maybe they, you know, like um, the Cobra Kai is an example. Like they did a that's a oh, sequel to Karate okay. Kid. So, but it can be a mini series. Doesn't have to be a full show. But which move the night? Like you know what? I want to see more of these characters. I want to see more of this story. Mm, and go into them a bit more about. Mm. Oh, okay. Um. Hmm. trying to think yeah do i do i want something that's more of a drama or do i want something that's more of a sitcommy feeling or something mm. that's a bit more i mean the way they make their shows these days you can do an hbo you know action-packed series as a as a follow-up like um off the top of my head straight away and i'm still exploring my answers but maybe a league of their own would Ooh. be kind of cool did they just do I league of their that. own again recently I'm not sure, but could you imagine stretching that out mm. into yeah? Well, it's a, a sequel more. as well, so they can be now run. They can be now coaching the new the new batch. Yeah, but still touching on those feminist. Oh, themes there is absolutely a league of their own series. That I, yeah. I, yeah, 
Oh, there you go. Well, they're onto something. Um, okay. It's not well, a sequel from the looks of it, but it is a um, yeah. There's a series. Okay. Well, that was still just off the top of my list because I'm literally going. Oh down. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. You got your time. Um, what's something else that would be kind of cool? Um. Well, uh, see, Sense and Sensibility, we're kind of there already with Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> mm. A series. We want to see more of the characters. We want to see a bit more. Oh, man. I had to get harder than you guys this time around. Like, the, you thought the, yeah. the last, one, last ones were easy. Now we're, we're you know, in the big leagues. What about Men in Black? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Men in Black could be cool. Because then you could have like sort of, you know, um, I forgot what they're called, just self-encapsulated episodes. I was going to say you could do an anthology. So you could do like Men in Black, Mm. you know, um, Europe, Men in Black Asia, Men in Black. Yeah, or just at least where, you know, whatever thing they're up against is resolved within that episode. Yeah. like the next one that Kay and Jay have to face and then, Mm. yeah. Yeah, I like it. Fun. That is a solid, solid answer. You are uh, the word "solid" has come up so much today. I got, do you know what? So solid. Do you know what's funny is um, recently I had a guest point out that I say "nice one" a lot. Like that's my go-to. Like that's that's my default. That's my filler word. Nice one. So I've been trying to mix it up, and now I'm just like defaulting to something different. But it's the same thing. <laughs> so um, it's uh, yeah, it is a nightmare, but it's my nightmare, and it's still not bicentennial, man. So. <laughs> You're uh, rewatch it and be real pissed at me. <laughs> so like not disappointed, just like oh, I forgot I how sad. I, could do this, I forgot how sad I could be. I'm so glad I said a new personal best. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Well, that is the end. Um, it has been an absolute treat to have you on on the show again, Maddie. Um, one of my favorite guests. Like uh, like when you when you come on, I feel uh, the, the permission to be most silly. Like we'd have no more. We have there's never more tangents or silliness than when you're on. So it's always an absolute joy. Um, I'm I'm bummed out because this is probably gonna be the last time you come on for a little while. Like obviously you got some very exciting stuff coming up in your personal life. So I'm not saying oh you know <laughs> you've got like it's a bad decision. Like obviously that's uh, very exciting, but it does mean we'll be a little while before you're on again. I think, um, which uh, the listeners will be worse off for. I think. Oh, that's all right. I'll still send in some questions or something. Yeah, absolutely. On, on, on your Instagram, I'll still send things through, and I'll oh still yeah, be a part I, of it. so I did that. Like for those who follow the Instagram, and listen to the show. I did like an ask me anything thing a little while ago, and I didn't really get many responses. I didn't expect to. I've got a pretty low follow account. Like for me, uh, the fact that anyone wants to listen is is awesome, but low compared to some accounts. But I was like, oh, I just want to ask me anything, and like ten questions came through in the afternoon. They were all from Maddie, and like they were as insane. As you could imagine, mm-hmm. like some of the fun ones, they were fun, yeah. No, they were like some of them, were like oh, this is pretty straightforward, and then some of them, were like I don't even know how to begin to answer this one. Um, and I had to, but I took I'd take them seriously. Anytime mm-hmm. there's a question about me, I take seriously. So I'm like, well, I have to give this some thought. I have to measure this out. Like, how am I going to respond to this? Um, I think so one I, of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite questions that I, I, I can't remember who I heard ask it, but as soon as I heard it asked, I was like, I need to ask you this question, and it was. And it's like one of those ones that you can ask people to really find out a little bit more deeply about who they are or what their, yeah, what their social standpoint is, et cetera. And, and that's the one where you say, tell me about a scene or a 
performance where a woman actually gets mad in a film. That was the why you like it. It's that really was the fun. tough. That was the toughest one for me because for me, and I, I was sitting there. Like I come out from work, and I've got this question, and I'm like, I'm gonna answer this question. I'm thinking, I'm scouring my brain. I'm like, how am I gonna answer? Like, because because the word you used was rage. Yeah, like, that was rage. the word, and yeah. I was like, I'm trying to think of an example of anger that justifies the description rage because rage isn't anger. Rage is a whole different level. Like that is mm. intensity and how can you justify it and how can you complement it? And I end up, for those who, who didn't see it, I chose um, Joey Lauren Adams' performance from Chasing Amy because that movie is about, um, it, it's a love story, but it's about a straight man who falls in love with a gay woman and tries to turn her basically. And she does mm. fall in love with him. Um, and, but like, she's so angry that she's fallen in love with him because she's kind of like, it's kind of this loss of identity. Like she's like, I know who I, yeah, I know who I knew who I was now. I don't. And then later on, like he, hears some rumors about like her sexual history. And so he tries to interrogate her about it, but in the most like kind of clumsy way, like the most obvious way in a very public place. And she just like unhinges and like, it's like this. This woman should have been gotten so like you know, talking about '90s performers who deserve a comeback. Like she's so good in this role. Like just seeing her, be, like the rage is so justified. It's like you knew who I was before we started dating. You chose to get involved with me. Like if you have a question, ask it, but don't like sneak around behind my back and try and like interrogate me like someone. Like try, don't try to make me feel bad for my choices. Um, mm. So that was, but it was tough. I was trying so hard to, and I didn't be like. Oh, I don't know, like Scarlet Witch when she got revenge on the people who killed Vision. Like, like yeah, I like there's that some, moment. There's some really, really good ones out there and, and hearing people describe when they enjoy it and why they enjoy it, whether it's just because it's such a good performance or if it was justified or if it made you have a sense of release as an audience member. It's really cool asking that question to people. So, like, one of my go-tos I love, um, in Silver Linings Playbook where oh, Jennifer Lawrence cracks it in the diner. She stands up and she screams and she throws all the crap off the table and it's like, fuck you, and, like, storms out. Like, I'm just, mm. yes. Like, mm. yeah. Like, um, yeah. And that's and the thing with that question as well is, like, I want to answer this well. Like, mm. I don't want to, like, cheap out, as I said. Like, And, again, like, Scarlet, which is a bad example, because I actually love all of her rage. I like Elizabeth Olsen's very talented, and she brings so much gravitas to a performance. It doesn't need it. Like it's a comic book film. Like you can be silly with it, but she did. So like that wasn't a fair example, but like I was like it was like Batgirl, where she got angry at the Joker. Like mm. I didn't want to just give that stock standard answer. I wanted to really think about it, and um, even the answer I gave, I'm not happy with. I'm sure there's a better one out there, but that was the best I could think of at the time. And but it's it is fun. like a, yeah. it's, it's a great great scene. Like she's so good in it. Um, Excellent. Well, thank you so much, as always. Lovely to have you on the show. Maddie will be back. There might be a bit of a hiatus. You know, she's going to be raising another child, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is, you know, that's the important work. But we'll have her back on and we'll talk about 2000s movies and more dinosaur movies, I'm sure. <laughs> we will have to at some point. What we'll have to do is go through, like, post-apocalyptic disaster films like oh. – um, We'll yeah, do a I'm whole... your authority on that. Like, whenever you do like a Halloween special and you get those guests on, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, if you do an apocalypse 
like end of the world episode, like I'm reserving my panel seat. Oh yeah, now. absolutely. No, we'll get you yeah. on there. Um, but in the meantime, thank you to, to Maddie for being a wonderful guest as always and keeping me very entertained and entertaining all of my tangents. Uh, thank you for everyone listening. Um, please follow along on Instagram. I was a teenage film snob. Underscores between every single word. Subscribe, like the show, give me five stars. If you're not going to give me five stars, get out of here. Uh, just kidding. Just be nice though. Um, and as we say every single week on this episode, guys, I was a teenage film snob, but I'm trying to be better. See you next week. <laughs>